lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, welcome everybody to episode number 183 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, May the 13th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank Corey Fick from Show Your Slabs for joining the show last time. I want to also thank everybody who joined for the inaugural coverage of the Slab Sharks auction a couple Thursdays ago. Thank you for that. Also, after this episode tonight, we'll be back live Whenever this one ends, for an episode of After Hours with Joe Perot, we will debrief this episode and do some freestyling tomorrow night, 9.30 Eastern on the channel. With Josh Madigan of Hockey Cards Gong Show, we will be covering the PWCC Weekly Hockey Auctions. And on Monday, I am debuting a new show in collaboration with a sports card dad network featuring Myself and Dennis Zender, also known as PC with DPZ. You may know him from his collector series that used to be on the Luca Nation Network, but has now moved over to the Sports Card Dad channel. Our first episode will be this Monday. We'll be more on all these hot topics, and it is called Taking Stock, again, debuting on Monday. All right, a couple of sponsor shout-outs, everybody. Please join over 300,000 people that have already Download the Center Stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards. Build, organize, and share your collection with your friends and find other collectors to follow using their social sharing features. They have some exciting new partnerships coming soon. Please stay tuned and join me in supporting the great team they have and the innovation they are undertaking. Also, use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Every transaction up to a million dollars in value is fully insured by their guarantee. To use Veriswap, simply upload their upload your inventory, make trade, partial trade, or full cash offers, and negotiate with thousands of traders already on the platform. Check them out on iOS and Android. As part of a special offer, your first trade on Veriswap is only $1.00. There is a referral link in the video description for your convenience. Also, please be sure to check out HobbyNewsDaily.com for a daily dose of hobby news and entertaining content. It's a collaboration of excuse me, various content creators and original writers and just launched back last month on April 1st. Also, shout out Leighton Sheldon. He'll be joining us for the Vintage Spotlight segment a little bit later tonight. A couple of thank yous, guys. I want to thank Rob Gerard, Sports Card Therapist, for having me on his Content Creators Roundtable. I want to thank Hockey Cards Gong Show for having me on their very their first ever YouTube live stream covering the NHL draft lottery. Also, Paul Hickey for having me on Sports Card Strategy Show. Troy and David of Dave and Adams for having me on the Chase last week and uh, to talk about tag rating. And finally, Cardboard Coaches for having me on their podcast last week. And always, guys, thank you so much to the loyal viewers and listeners of Sports Cards Live. If you're not yet subscribed to this channel. Please take a moment and do so. As always tonight, mostly as always, your comments and questions are in play. We will be monitoring them tonight, especially tight. So please remain respectful. Let's get to tonight's show. Our guest tonight started in the hobby, opening Donruss in 1989. And when Shaquille O'Neal stuff came out in 92, 
He'd spend his allowance in snow shoveling money, chasing the big man's cards. He bought and sold cards right through until 2017 and was PSA's bigger, biggest submitter for many of those years. He started the one-team international agency, OTS Sports, for athlete signings in 2017. And in 2020, he rejuvenated his ISA grading company. His favorite teams are the University of Michigan Wolverines and all Detroit pro teams. His favorite athletes are Grant Hill and Barry Sanders, originally from and currently hailing from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Let's bring him out. Jason Koontz, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you tonight? Jeremy, what's up, man? I really appreciate having me on. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, it's late here on the on the East Coast. It's 10 o'clock, so I'm uh, I'm excited to be on. Well, it's uh, it's good to have you, Jason. It's you know, it's funny because the timing is it's ironic the timing having you on because you know, uh, we saw the Evan Mathis video come out within the last what seven to ten days. You've been caught up in the trimming scandals over the years. Your name is among those listed. So. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we plan to have you on here like two. Uh, did we plan this at the Mint Collective? I feel like it's a couple months ago that we I, planned it. And then this happened. And I thought, oh, this is going to be extra juicy now because of what's going on. Yeah, I, th I think we we booked this like two and a half, three months ago. So, you know, it, it was scheduled. So, yeah, it was. It was. All right. So before we jump in, we got a lot of comments already. I'm going to jump into a couple. Jeff S. Welcome to the show. Mike Petty says, when is this criminal Koontz on? Can't wait to see how Leighton interacts. Let's see if Leighton is on gag or stands up to fraud in the hobby. Koontz is just one of thousands in a network of thieves. Well, we'll, we'll be get, we will be talking about, we're going to hear it from you. I don't see a question there from Mike Petty, so we'll just keep on going. Vintage card collector, good to see you. Collector's dream, Corey Carr, happy Saturday. Al G in the house, Jeff McMahon in the house. Very good. Jeff Hart, good evening to you. Rob Gerard, sports card therapist. Good evening. Good evening. All right. Lapper in the house. Rich Baganyan in the house. Mike Petty says he'll be censored in two minutes. Just don't disrespect my platform or my guest, Mike, and you won't be censored. Or Mike, Mike, ask ask a question, Mike. Don't you, you know, like, what's your question or what's your, you know, ask a question. Don't make a comment like that. And I'm happy to answer anything. So. And let me let me just tell everybody we've got I solicited uh, a, a segment of the community for questions. We've got we, we we've got I don't know if we have any softballs tonight. I think we're going hard tonight, uh, Jason, and to the audience. So if you have questions or accusations, watch the show. If if you know halfway through three quarters through you don't feel like uh, we're doing you any we're doing you justice, then feel free to to uh, throw them into the chat. But we've got I think we're going to be asking all the questions that people want to know hobby champs what's going on mookie chilson in the house baz in the house we got sports cards nonsense in the house what's going on fellas jeff s here eric stefano willie t glad you're here and looking forward to it jason before we get into the the controversial stuff i want to know you know hobby wise when did you really get started you know you got started as a kid but tell us a little bit what do you collect what do you love about this hobby yeah, so I, I've been doing it as a kid, just like everyone else. Um, kind of in my teenage years, when a lot of my friends kind of veered off into doing normal teenage stuff, um, I kind of stumbled upon my first card show, which is obviously much different than a card shop, where a card shop back then, at least, they had full control, right? Like, the prices were what they were. There's not a lot of negotiating. So that first experience of a card show at maybe, like, 12 years old was such a unique experience because there was actually, like, a place where you could go and make money versus a card shop where you're just paying. It's different now because card shops are, you know, have evolved over the past 30 years. But 
um, just that excitement of that first card show of being able to actually buy something, negotiate, and then get it kind of was like the, the instant rush for me. Um, shortly thereafter, like a close friend that did this with me and a fam and, uh, his father, we went to the first, my first national was St. Louis 95. And I kind of started early on picking up more of, you know, the, the buying and flipping and stuff and all that. Um, but I think shortly thereafter was a Fort Washington show. It was in Philadelphia. I think it was Fort Washington. And I remember being set up and Steve Rocky came by the president of PSA. And in this actually will show everybody how far we've evolved. Steve Rocky is trying to convince people why you should submit your cards to PSA. And you have all these old time grader or old time dealers that are like, why the hell am I going to give you my cards? I know what my cards are. And so it's just, you know, there was, we'll grade some stuff for free for you. And that was my first like moment where I kind of was like this grading thing I, is going to be a big thing. It hadn't taken off yet. You know, like a Ricky Henderson 10 was still $500, you know, it, you know, it just, it wasn't a thing yet. So um, that's kind of what I really remember early on is like this, just being in super early and, and just believing in this, this guy at the time kind of telling me that grading is going to be this, this massive thing when at the time, nobody really, you know, everybody was new to grading. It was kind of like, why do I need somebody else to tell me what my cards are graded? Yeah. I mean, grading was new to the hobby and that was, I remember those days clearly myself. So let's move on. In 2017, you lost your net worth. Tell that 2000, story. 2007. My bad. 2007, yeah. you lost your net worth. You've yeah. since bounced right back. What happened? How did you lose your net worth? Yes. Yeah, so, so basically from 96, 97 till 2003, I was super successful. We can get into all the different stuff and, you know, everything that I did. But basically in 2004, I'd been doing this for, you know, 10 years now. Um, I was kind of bored with it. And I'm 23 years old. I thought it would be a cool idea to say, hey, I'm retired. You know, I always thought that was the, the end goal was to make a bunch of money and then retire. So I sold all my cards, which at that point was still like this, this risky thing. Like everybody thought cards were, you know, a it, it was like a, I don't want to say a fad, but it wasn't, it wasn't the confidence even now that I have today in cards. Like after COVID now, I'm like super bullish long-term on cards because we've survived one of these crazy, you know, pandemics and stuff. But like back then it was cool to have cards, cards are worth stuff, but it, it wasn't like the true asset that you kind of feel like you have now. So I felt like I was moving into something that was risky and I decided to put all my money in 05 in Florida real estate. Oh, so after I sold everything, I basically like for two or three weeks was, you know, I'm retired. This is fun. And then, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to do things. So I'm bored out of my mind. So what's the next goal? Um, I started dumping money into Florida real estate 05. And then obviously, you know, we hit the biggest real estate crash in history. And, and it's funny because this is something that I thought I was going from unsafe investment which if I would have kept, I kept some stuff, but if I would have kept all my cards, it would have been, you know, I'd be a billionaire. You know, it's like all the shit I had back then. So um, I learned a lesson. I put all my eggs in one basket into real estate and it all went to negative money, you know? So I lost everything in 07 and started to rebuild in 08 and, um, you know, went up a uh, ladder from there. You said that you went to your first national, I think in 1995. Are you gonna be at the national this year at the end of July? I will. This will be my 29th straight national. So I, I might have the record for, I, I don't know, like 29 in a row has got to be up there. 
I think Dr. Beckett claims that he's been in, at everyone since the beginning. So uh, let, let's defer. To, let's defer to him for the record. But I think you're probably right up there with a, a few others who've been in this thing so long. Um, all right. So then there's the national. I have. I there's the expo up in Canada. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on. And I, this is near and dear to my heart. It's like my. It's my home show. What are your thoughts on on the expo up in Canada? So you know, we kind of briefly talked about this earlier in the week. Um, you know, that show is. You know, I, I didn't want to tell anybody. There's a few of us that knew about it, but this the 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 Toronto show was this sneaky. It was better than the national for for ten years. The Toronto show, um, and I know it's a great show now, but it was the best show in the country. And the reason is is there was so much clean. Oh, hockey, OPG. There's also a lot of clean other stuff, but I, I just feel like in Canada, at least in those times, and we're talking 10, 15 years ago, I don't know if it was just because it was a pain in the ass to send stuff to PSA or people didn't trust it going across the border. I know there's PSA Canada now, so it's a little easier, but people were just much more timid to send stuff to PSA. And obviously, if you come across something that's high grade or gradable, it doesn't matter if you pay book or 120%. It doesn't matter really what you pay when the multiplier on a nine or a 10 is going to be, you know, 20, 30 X. So that show um, was a, was a gold mine because there just wasn't a lot of buyers up there. The, the, uh, the U S dollar was like almost two to one. So it had a lot of, buy, a lot of buying power up there. Um, it was a great show. I mean, it's like, I, I have some good memories of that show. I've always spent a ton of money at that show. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, I guess the secret's out now, though. It seems to be, from what I saw, jamming. Yeah, the, the last one a couple of weeks ago was an unbelievable experience. Had a great time at that one. All right, let's talk about cracking slabs and resubmitting slabs. You've made money cracking and resubmitting. When did cracking a card out of a slab become a thing? Yeah. So, I mean, we can get to, you know, other stuff later, but like the, the reality is, is, you know, 90% of my fortune was made off of cracking slabs and it just wasn't a thing. So, in you know, I started, I think the, well, the first card I ever graded with PSA in 95 was a Griffey upper deck. Um, the funny thing is I bought it. I went to a friend, I pre-sold it in a 10, even though I hadn't had the car, I sent it off. Um, the card came back in eight. So I had to refund my friend his money because I pre-sold it as a 10 price. Um, and I know why people bitch now in their first orders, but, um, so I was confused, you know, I was like, why'd this card come back in eight? It was a 10 and you know, the card probably had like a lifted corner or something. So that was my first thought of like, you know, maybe the guy had a bad day. Um, and then I, I met a few other people and we were kind of just chit chatting about, it just seemed like everybody was stuck on. It is what it is. Like whatever that card was at that time, like that that card's a nine. It's a nine for life, and it just nobody thought the way they think now. Like now, thousands of people are like understand of like oh like you know the the grading goes like this, right? It's just like here's steady and PSA grades hard, and then they loosen up a little bit. They grade it. so it's always like ebb and flow of of how they're grading. You know, a card graded on a Tuesday might be graded differently. On a Friday, you know, the guy's leaving the office versus, you know, the guy comes in on Mondays, you know, and he's irritated and like, and obviously the difference between an eight, nine, nine, ten is like massive swing. So like 97, I just kind of started overpaying or, or just, you know, working out deals with people to, to just buy cards. I had some guys where um, 
I would literally, if they had um, 100 Griffey Upper Deck Nines in their showcase, and I knew a lot of people, and I've, you know, I've known a lot of people over the years, but I would work out a deal. I'd say, let me borrow these Griffey Nines from you. And they'd be like, okay. And I was like, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Let me borrow the Griffey Nines for, you know, half a day or a day. Any And, and a Griffey Nine at the time was like, and I'm guessing, was like 350 bucks, and a 10 was 3500 so I'd say, let me borrow these Griffey nines off you. And any one that I buy, I'll probably buy 10 to 15% of them. I'll pay you 500 a card. So they're like, okay, what, you know, why wouldn't they do that? So I would go to PSA. Um, they'd be on site at the show. At the time, I think I had a deal where I was paying 20 bucks a card um, on site. And I was grading, you know, two, 3,000 cards at every show. But, you know, I'd give them those cards in review. And of the 100 nines, they may bump. 10, 12, whatever, whatever the number was, like there would be some that they would bump. Um, I'd go back and, and purchase those cards off the, you know, whoever, one of my buddies or a dealer. So just the math was, was massive. Um, and, and just, and just knowing that was me always looking for nice eights, nice nines. Cause back then there was a ton of them. There was me and maybe like two or three other people doing this. And then everybody else was just kind of set in stone on, it is what it is. Like whatever was graded, you know, now people crack, you know, there's cards I've cracked out. I've, I've had a McGuire rookie. I cracked out 26 times because I just thought it was, but by the time it got a 10, I think I lost money, but um, yeah. So that, those were the early days of cracking stuff out. So based on what you just said, 26 times, I've always kind of wondered how reliable are the PSA and BGS pop reports? Like how overstated are they in terms of the, you know, the fact that, you might have, you know, like you've you've submitted a card twenty three times. There's only one card for those twenty three times. Yeah, there's going to be twenty three occurrences in the pop report. When I started, when I started thinking about this a few years ago, I started thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's five percent overstated, maybe ten at the most. And then I'd have, you know, my buddy Bobby Burrell would tell me, "Nah, Jeremy, it's like thirty percent." I think, no way, Bobby. I'm starting to think it's closer to thirty, maybe more. What do you? Just what's your gut feel? How overstated are the pop reports? So. So to pick out one specific card to give you a really good example on is uh, someone can double check, but I think the pop report on Jordan PSA nines is around 2,800 and it's give or take a little bit. And, and there was a period in the late nineties where we were trying to work a deal out with PSA to give back certain numbers or give back the, the flips to try to take stuff out of the pop. And they were giving us like a quarter credit and that lasted like six months. It just got too crazy. And as much now as I think PSA acts like, they don't want people buying and cracking out. It's it was massive for their business model because they were getting multiple revenue on the same card. You know, like rather than getting twenty dollars one time, they may get it four or five times. So, um, but the Jordan for the, for I think it's twenty eight hundred. I've probably cracked out two to two hundred and fifty Jordan nines myself. So, and and I know others that have to. So I would guess the real like on a Jordan nine. I think the pop is probably closer to like 21, 2200 versus 2800. So what percent is that? Is that 20%? Yeah. And that's just that card. Now that's a card that had a very high risk reward. Um, so maybe that's a little bit more than some other stuff. And obviously, uh, you know, like I've cracked a ton of Griffey upper deck nines. Um, that's a card that is, is probably pretty exaggerated too. I mean, some other oddball stuff like, you know, the, like the Jim Brown PSA pop, like I would think that's fairly accurate because, you know, a lot of people probably weren't taking the higher, the risk, um, you know, just didn't make sense. So, yeah. 
Do you think the crack and resub game is that is that over now? Is this is it still going? And uh, yeah, go with that one first. Is that is that game still good to go? So I mean, this can venture into more questions, but yeah. So in in my opinion, the game is ninety five percent over, which is kind of the reason in two thousand nineteen, like I kind of shifted into, you know, focusing on. I kind of retired again for a little bit, and then obviously had this passion project with ISA and um, all that stuff, but. Yeah, to me that like the game was over and it's just and, and and the funny thing is 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 a lot of new people came in investors and big money during covid and i remember one guy came to me and big money i think might have been a billionaire and he had this he wanted me to sign an nda because he had this this amazing idea and i'm like i'm not signing an nda like whatever you know i don't care so finally he's like okay don't tell anybody and i was like okay what's your plan he goes what do you think if we go buy a hundred jordan nines and crack them all out and send them to psa and try to get some tens and like, but this is somebody new to the hobby. So like it's registering that that's a thing. And I'm trying to tell people like, you know, if you see a, like, unless it's like a fresh from a wax or like a new collection, if you see a nice Jordan, like there's a good chance that, you know, if, unless it's like freshly, even if it's freshly graded, there's a really good chance that card's been tried several times. And most decent cards are probably maxed out right now. Um, you know, new stuff getting, it's different, you know, 2022, 2023 product, like that's different because it just comes out. People are going to crack it maybe once or twice, but like anything, anything vintage and anything pre, you know, like curry year, I would say, yeah, it's not in your favor. It's not in your favor at this point. I, I think the game is over. Like, I'm not really like, I've probably graded less than a hundred cards in the last three or four years. How much of the game when you were playing it and playing it like, you know, really exploiting it, how much of the game was based on knowing when the grading companies were being more difficult and when they were being, uh, you know, more loose with their grading? Yeah. So er early on, um, I, I would get frustrated. Right. So like everybody else, like you get a bad order and, and it happens, you, you get an order back and you're pissed. Like, you're like, why is this this? Why is this this? And, and you know, more, I, I would say more often than not, you're pissed than like, you're just like thrilled out of your mind. And as a young, you know, 18, 17 year old kid, I remember that feeling of like thinking PSA just screwed me. And I was talking with somebody else, um, you know, someone he's actually retired now, but just, he kind of changed my mindset of it. And, and that was a big part of my growth of, rather than getting upset let's figure out a way to capitalize on this so instead of psa's killing everybody the market's doom and gloomed and like everything's over and gradings you know they don't know what they're doing and the grading game's over it's not going to be like this forever because i've already you know you've seen it, like i said it's going up and down so those were the points where i would go and just spend and spend and spend i mean i would spend millions of dollars at shows and, and online knowing that PSA is grading in my opinion. Well, it, they were a grade too low. There weren't really, there weren't half grades back then. So, you know, stuff would be a grade, sometimes two grades off. And I just took that opportunity. Sometimes it would last a little longer than I would hope. Like it would go, you know, five, six months. And I'm like, shit, like, is this ever going to just, and then it would, there would, there would basically be enough people that complained enough smart people that would go to Steve Rocky or eventually Joe Orlando at the time and be like, guys, listen, like this just, we, we know what we're looking at. This isn't right. Like this is way off. 
and they would kind of do some checks and balances. You know, some people would talk to the graders and we would kind of come back to a reality of, of where that line was. And usually we wouldn't come back to the line. It would kind of creep into a little bit too loose. So that stuff down here, like, so then there'd be like a six month span where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting, you're killing it. I mean, just a massive amount of money. And then it would settle back in at that even line. And then eventually, you know, and, and like, it's, it's been like that for 20 years or 25 years, as far as I can remember since the late nineties, it's just, it, it's human grading, right? It's, you know, at the time PSA had 26 to 32 graders. So you're going to have some inconsistencies. Now PSA has a hundred and the last time I checked, they had 132 graders that they were, you know, through COVID was, I think, at their peak, maybe a little more. So, like, you have 132 different opinions. Like, there's going to be, you know. Consistency issues. Yeah, for sure. Which is good. You know, like, that's a, a thing to take advantage of. Right. Yeah. And there's no shortage of people that, that, that do that. All right. Uh, we're going to we're going to move on here quickly, though. And Kesh, good evening to you. Corey Carr says Coons. Very nice. Good to see you, Corey. Mike Petty, some direct questions for you right here, Jason. How long have you been involved in conserving cards for profit? Let's just answer that one first. How long have you been involved in conserving cards for profit? But can, when conserving? That's, when you, that's what, the question, yeah. Oh, that's the question? Um, as far as conserving goes, uh, I would say my, my biggest window of conserving cards was probably in the early 2000s. Beckett was known for grading sheet cut cards. So I was pretty heavily involved with, not pretty heavily, but I mean, I was grading a lot of sheet cut stuff with Beckett. Um, you know, just, I cracked a lot of wax. I cracked a lot of cards out, but as far as conserving, we, we can get to those questions, but you know, I, I, a lot of that is, you know, a tax on somebody who's been super successful. Um, you know, I'm sure these more of these questions will come up, but yeah, it's, right. uh, yeah. Let's keep going. Tiger Jordan, what's going on? Saturday nights are the best with Jeremy and Sports Cards Live. Don't get to watch too many live days. Always appreciate learning. Well, good to have you, Tiger, and uh, nice to have you in the chat. Hobby Champ says cards are more fun now than during the boom. You can actually buy really great stuff for great prices instead of overpaying for almost everything. Uh, welcome to the show, Hobby Champs. 90s, what's going on? Collector's Dreams, first national was 92. Jeff S. says, still a pain in the butt to send cards to PSA for us Canadians. Uh, at the shows, it's pretty easy, though. Hobby Champs, curious why S. So, curious why Sports Card Radio continues to implicate Koontz. Be cool if you would clear that up. Yeah, we're going to get to that, Hobby Champs. Definitely respectfully appreciate that. Travis Trail, what's going on? Evan Mathis in the house. We're going to get to you right away. Evan, Sports Cards nonsense. Has Jason ever trimmed a card personally or seen it done personally? Jason. Do you consider trimming a card off a sheet? personally um, let's say no let's say that that's an exception no then i have i mean i haven't uh i've you know taken creases out i've spoon corn you know take it just like stuff like that but like i said i i know people well i don't want to say i know because i've never seen anybody trim other than in evan's tutorial you know i saw him in the video trimming, but i've never seen somebody in person trim a card i've heard similar rumors like everybody else and the reality is, is in the, you know, 15, 20 years ago, the guys that were supposedly really good at it, nobody would know who they are anymore. Most of those guys are retired, gone. And like, if you saw them at a show, which they wouldn't be at right now, they're probably retired on a beach. Um, nobody would know who those guys are. But like, 
I'm not even saying I'm not going to say any names because, like I said, I don't know. Like I, I know the same things that other people know. Like, hey, that person is really successful grading. How do they do it? I hear the rumors, but like I've never seen them trim a card. So for me to say that, um, you know, I'm not going to say yes. This person's trimmed a card because I have no idea. All right, GC says, "Will Koontz agree to a grip strength contest contest versus Mike Geo at the National?" To which Mike Geo says, "Any day of the week." So uh, go for it. But I got to tell you, do it sitting down. I did it sitting down, hit like 140. Then I did it standing up, hit like 120. So do it sitting down. Uh, there's there's a tip for you, Jason. If you're gonna I'm, do I'm, it, I got I've got a little. I mean, I'll I'll, do, I'll try it. I've never done it, but Mike's uh, Mike's a, Mike's looks like he's got a little bit of muscles. So let's let's go for it. It'd be fun. I'm sure you'll do just okay. What's up, Cards AH? Sports card professor, looking forward to this no-holds-barred Royal Rumble sports card discussion. Tiger Jordan wants to know, what percent of your crack and submit strategy to PSA came from cracking BGS slabs? So I don't want to talk negatively about any grading companies. Um, I think that cracking Beckett cards is a big mistake. Um, especially vintage. I would be very careful cracking vintage Beckett cards. Um, I'd be very careful cracking a lot of higher dollar Beckett cards in general. Um, I would definitely try to, to measure them. And uh, I, I would recommend strongly against crack, cracking high, high dollar Beckett cards is what I wanted to, was what I would say about that. Okay, good. Uh, Michael Ham says uh, PSA's inconsistent grading cannot be inconsistent. Inconsistent. Plus, they state all their graders are expert. We know that's not true. All hail Tag. Thanks, Michael Ham, on behalf of Tag Grading Cards AH. Where's PSA right now? I feel like grading is a bit harder, or at least for modern. Jason, your thoughts on where they're at in the cycle of you know grading more difficult, grading easier, more difficult, easier? Yes, like I said, in the last couple of years, like from what I've seen on eBay, stuff looks a little tighter, and from I've talked to some people, and it's tighter. I've probably sent in like a hundred cards in the last couple. So I'm like a bad, you know, for like one on, of my personal stuff. What I can tell you is, is I sent in some 86 flares and not to two, like I'm a very knowledgeable with 86 flare. We can talk about, you know, I've cracked a lot of wax and, you know, 86 flare when I'm sending it in like cheap commons for tens, I would usually shoot 50 to 70% tens, you know, not, not on the really hard guys, but just the guys that are always, you know, 150 bucks. So, you know, a little during the pandemic or after they opened back up, I sent in, um, I think, 40, 40, 86 flares that to me were all 10 shots. And I went 0 for 40. And it wasn't, it was, you know, it was under another name. So it had nothing to do with, uh, uh, by the way, another question, you know, the, 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 the sports car radio guys that uh, it cracks me up. I, someone sent me a link. They said I was banned from PSA. No, no, another blatant lie. I've never been banned from PSA. You can ask Rocky, you can ask Jorlando, you can ask Nat, like never have been banned from PSA. It was just a blatant, silly comment. So yeah, I'd submitted some stuff um, during the pandemic um, through someone else just because, you know, they were getting a better rate than I was because I lost my, I used to have killer rates and we can talk about that too because people will be really interested to hear what my rates were back in the day. But in these 86 flares that I would normally shoot 50, 60%, they were eights and nines, you know, and, and that's just, shows you right there i was expecting you know 20 30 10 just, so to me that was uh yeah they're they're definitely being tighter right now all right well thanks for your your opinion on that mark santucci tip of the mitt guys 
Welcome to the show. And John Wee says basketball should be the competition for collectors, not grip strength. Fair comment there, John Wee of Center Stage app. Welcome to the show. All right, guys. So Leighton Sheldon has just joined us, uh, Jason. We're going to bring him on for about five, 10 minutes, see what's going on there. And uh, and then, you know, actually, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to bring Leighton on and we're going to talk about the Evan Mathis video. I mentioned to Evan, who's watching right now, that we would get to him in a few minutes and we're going to talk about the video. And I'd like to get both of your opinions on some of these things. Leighton, give me the thumbs up if you're ready to pop on. Thumbs up is there. Leighton, good to see you. You guys know each other. Say a quick hello, and then let's keep on rolling here, all right? What's going What's on, up? Jason? How are you? What's up? What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good to see you, Leighton. Thanks for joining. All right, guys. So here's what we're going to talk about. First of all, Evan Mathis releases his video, the how-to on card trimming. I want to get both of your opinions. Why is he coming out publicly now, putting this on TikTok, and really dominating the, the hobby content for the last week or so? Uh, you know, because of that video, let's let Leighton, let's get your thoughts first. Now we'll go to you, Jason. Sure. Did you ask me Jeremy first? You said, sure. So, um, I don't know Evan, uh, very well. Um, I did hear through the grapevine that he was, uh, you know, starting a new company. And so is it related to trying to get press for his new company? You really have to ask Evan. I don't know. Um, you know, it does seem to me that uh you know he was certainly trying to get attention and he clearly did that and so if it's for a different motive i really couldn't tell you um but if he was trying to get attention he was definitely successful what about you jason any thoughts yeah so i have a, a really strong opinion on this um so evan you know kind of took a few years off of cards to play poker and do all that fun stuff and about two years ago he started working on a website called card seer um, it's actually a pretty awesome website when it launched, I think he's going to launch in a few months, but, um, he was kind of out of the hobby for two years playing poker, working on this, working on this website. Um, I don't know if it was the right approach or not to get everyone's attention, but he clearly was trolling everybody and, you know, he wanted everybody to talk about him and he's doing that. That is happening. Like he's definitely has everybody's attention now and it's. You know, for, for better or worse, when he when he launches this website, his name is going to be out there now. And uh, like I said, I, I love the website. It's a good website. He, he can tell you more. He can tell you more about it if you ever have him on. But um, I definitely think this was a marketing ploy. Um, but once again, like, I don't want to speak on other people's behalf. Like, that's just my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Had, had, had you talked to him either? Well, I guess you hadn't, Leighton. Jason, do you have a relationship? With, with Evan Mathis, did you talk to him leading up to that video being released? No, Evan and I talk like maybe, like we go in spurts. Like we, can, Lee, can you mute it? Yeah, sorry. I'm down the street, I'm in the streets of New York City, man, it's crazy. Um, you know, Evan and I go in these where we t we'll talk every three or four months, you know, we'll talk sometimes, you know, six, every six months. So we, you know, we talk, you know, not that much, but the uh, we, did, we didn't talk leading up to that for probably a few months and then a few days later after the video he just sent me a text and said it's amazing how people's imaginations can run wild from a picture and and, and then we were just laughing you know laughing at that how people so yeah that that's that was our conversation all right Leighton, i want i want to ask you you know the video comes out and everyone's talking about it 
how does this impact you? You're you're as you claim a professional baseball card treasure hunter. You're a, you're a, you're a, you've got just collect. You got vintage breaks. How did how like was this something that you felt would impact your business? Does this cast a shadow on the vintage hobby, the vintage and modern hobby? How do you feel this is going to impact guys like you that do what you do and really the overall collecting hobby since this video has come out? Sure. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, when I buy cards, whether it be they're graded or they're ungraded, I'm really not going to take a different approach, frankly, because of Evan's video or anyone else's video. I use my experience to dictate how I'm going to handle transactions. And so as far as like the hobby overall, I really I'm not able to tell you that. But I would say, and it may sound um, a little strange, but at the end of the day, like, for example, when I buy collections, I often buy collections from people that, let's say, like, they inherit it, and it's been the same family for 100 years. Jeremy, those are some of the hardest collections to buy because they're not educated about the market. And so I know this might sound strange, but I would rather have the high-end buyers of our industry know the pitfalls now versus later. When things get really serious, sorry, I'm on the streets of New York City. This is nuts. Keep going. Keep uh, talking. Uh, and so um, I just feel like, listen, educated either consumer who's purchasing an educated consumer who's selling. I just think in the end, yes, for example, like when I buy, if someone's educated, I might pay more. But it's a lot easier for a transaction. And so if someone, for example, is on the fringe of coming into our marketplace or our hobby and spending, you know, millions of dollars on high-grade vintage cards... I'd rather have them know on the front end to talk to the experts of the hobby, being the lead graders of PSA, SGC, or Jason's company, ISA, right? Or any of like the, the head dealers or the lead dealers that kind of know, like even when looking at cards and graded holders, when something maybe looks a little bit peculiar to them or they're not comfortable. And so I just think in general, education is best, even though it's like a little uncomfortable, right? Not everyone necessarily understands Evan's um uh, rationale or understands why he released it. But at the end of the day, I think that knowledge in any industry or any discipline is key. And so I'd rather have people, you know, understand like, Hey, be on the lookout. If you're uncomfortable, don't make a purchase. But the reality of it is, um, third party grading, whether it be one company, or another that you prefer, I believe has helped everyone, meaning from the collectors to the casual dealers, to the investors, you know, make a better educated, um, you know, purchase. And so, you know, that's, that's where I'm coming from. I, I hope that that continues and people just, you know, will continue to ask questions, even if they're difficult. And ultimately in the end, when the dust settles, it's going to be better for everyone. Should the, should the grading companies be hiring if they could, or at least having them on retainer or as consultants, card trimmers, because the card trimmers, people who actually trim cards, the way that Evan Mathis showed in his video or whatever strategies other trimmers are using, should these grading companies be hiring these people or consult, having these people consult, at least looking at certain cards? Because would they not be able to, and I'm looking at a comment from Evan Mathis himself uh, right over here. He says, the lead experts in the hobby are the trimmers. They know edges of cards better than anyone by a mile. So shouldn't they be working for grading companies? I mean, I would turn that around on you, Jeremy, as you work for one of the grading companies. I don't know. But I would say like, hey, listen, if you're trying to figure out and prevent nefarious behavior and they think that that's a good move, like I sure, I think that sounds reasonable. But out of the three of us, I'm not someone who owns a grading company or works for a grading company. So I don't know that I'm the best person to ask. Fair, fair. What, what about you, Jason? What do you think about that question? 
what was the exact question? Should, should, should the grading companies have card trimmers as experts on staff or as consultants to help identify trim cards? Because as Evan Mathis says on the comment right here, they know the edges of cards better than anyone by a mile. And I think he's including human graders in that anyone. Absolutely. Like, you know, the more knowledge, the better. I, I think, I think the only issue is, is, um, if you look at stuff from the nineties to now, it looks like it looks, it looks like the experts have become so good that it, it almost is, it, it's almost seems undetectable. So I, I don't know how much that'll truly help. Like maybe AI will help. Maybe, um, you know, I think, and, and I've talked with a lot of big, some of the biggest, um, collectors and like, it seems over the past 20 years and like, I, we've always been, uh, you know, like it, they know that there's funny business that goes on, you know, it's like, it's not like a, a total pure business. Like every big card in one way, whether it's, you know, a corner laid down, whack, like it's like, it's very rare. A card just comes out and goes into a semi-rigid and go like, so it's, it's really up to somebody to kind of figure out on a one to 10 scale, you know, where the line is for that person. So, I, yes, like bringing somebody, you know, an expert on would help. I don't know if it would help a ton just because, like I said, PSA has 132 graders. Um, every time one of these, you know, Evan's video or even like the blowboards initially, like, you know, maybe there was, I don't know, a thousand, a thousand people trimming cards. They, they saw those videos and now they're like, or, or the, or the message boards in, in 2019 or whatever. And they're like, Oh wow, this is possible. And a lot of these younger people coming in that have a different moral code than some of the older guys that are like this, you know, these people who do this should, you know, have their heads chopped off. It seems like looking at the comments of Evan's video, a lot of the younger generation are like, Hey, what's the big deal? And they look at these blow forms. And I think rather than being like disgusted, like, you know, you, and I, I know a lot of people are, they kind of look at it like, wait, this is possible. So I think, uh, the more we talk about it, the better, but also you're just going to create more and more trimmers. Like it's just, that's just the way it is. Like, so I think during the pandemic, like we're probably 10, you know, and, and the newer stuff is, you know, it comes all different sizes. Like, you know, newer stuff is there's no way to detect new, like you can detect vintage. I can detect vintage. Like I know pretty good, like what's been played with and what's not um, the newer stuff. I couldn't tell, like if it measures and looks right, and I, and I say like, we're going to, we're going to hold or something. And, you know, as long as it's, you know, if it's short, we're going to kick it or look at it and figure out why, you know, is, did this be, did, did this come min size from the factory or, you know, does it, does it look wavy? But in general, the new stuff, like nobody can detect the new stuff. It, it is what it is. And we've created, um, you know, probably way more than, than we've gotten rid of in the last couple of years. All right. Okay. Appreciate that. Layton, let's, uh, let's finish off with you here and uh, just let everybody know if you're not yet following Layton on Instagram at Layton underscore Sheldon or just underscore collect. He's got his podcast trading card therapy. Layton, thanks for your support. Anything you'd like to shout out before you go get back to your action packed evening in New York city. Well, one of these days I'll give you a live look in on him. It'd uh, probably be potentially more exciting than some of the card stuff, but I uh, know I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I'm going to try to listen uh, to, the, to the video later on uh, after you guys finish and stuff. Uh, thanks for having me. It was good seeing you, Jason. Be safe out there, Leighton. Be safe in New York. Thanks, Leighton.
All right, Jason, let's keep on going here. Uh, vintage Card Collector has this question. What are your thoughts on the percentages of high-grade vintage that has been trimmed? Some people are throwing out really high numbers. Uh, I, I heard I heard 80%. I think that was a mistake. I think I, I think it was meant to be quoted as 20%. What are your what do you think? Uh, the percent of, of vintage, high grade vintage that is actually trimmed. What's your so I think so I think it's a sliding scale based on value and year. So I think if you start off in 92, you know, you're gonna start off here. And as they learn, you know, it kind of gets a little better. Um, people get they it's a cat and mouse game between that you know it's like they get better the called card doctoring get better um the card grader you know pick it up so i think in the 90s it was pretty bad um also based off of value like in the 90s the higher dollar stuff there's a good chance that it's it's been played with and messed around um and i think generally as time's gone on psa's gotten better but the problem is when you have this this core group for many years of 25 to 30 graders that get more and more educated, um, when that expands to 50 graders, all of a sudden you have, and I've experienced this at ISA, you know, we have, you know, five or six graders now, and I've had 25 people come in to try to, you know, it's like, I can't, you, you just don't pick it up. And when you, it's, it's a really hard thing to teach. So when you're adding graders and you go from 25 to 50 to 100 to 132 or whatever they're at now, um, stuff's going to get through a lot of these guys. It might not get through the first, the 10 guys, the 20 guys that are the veterans. Um, it's obviously going to be easier to get, you know, a cheaper card through than a, a Hank Aaron rookie because a Hank Aaron rookie is going to get looked at by multiple people. So the, I guess overall the answer to that question is, if it's a really old serial number in the nineties, I would be a little more leery cautious. If, if you, you know, if that's something that is, is just like a diehard for you that I do not want guaranteed a trim card and a holder. Um, I, you have a better chance. I think on a newer label to avoid that. Ricky here says, I heard that you are terrified of the sports card radio twins. Any truth to that? You mean the, the guy, the, the kid who threatened to murder me? I don't know anything about that, but if uh, but if yeah. th th they're brothers that run the sports card radio uh, yeah. website and channel and everything. Yeah, someone sent me a thing. So like he like threatened to murder me. I, I don't want to. I mean, so I'm they're in the affiliate and clickbait business and stuff. And like, I love they send people my way. And like, I'm I know I'm one of the top earners in that. Like, I know they'd probably do well with it too. Hopefully, they're making hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I I think it's amazing that I've been put in a situation to be at, you know, this peak of the business where other people can make a, make a profit off of like, to me, I look at them as like a national inquiry, you know, like 10% truth, 90% like excitement of just getting people riled up. It does, I, I, I watch some of their stuff cracks me up, but no, no not worried about them. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about them because I don't want to send business their way for their clicks. So, but if they want to send business my way and like every time they talk about me, I pick up a bunch of, uh, a bunch of followers and stuff and like, I'll make money off my affiliate, you know, and, and revenue off that. So yeah, not really, uh, you know, I, I don't really look at, uh, I only look, I don't look down. All right. We'll, we'll come back. I have a couple more questions regarding those guys uh, coming up here. ZJS says, would Koontz be open to taking a lie detector test at the national I'd be willing to pay for it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like I've always seen that those things are like, probably, yeah, let's try it. Like, I think that'd be fun. 
All right, so there like, you go. That'd be that'd be fun. Uh, let, let me ask. I want to. I want to talk. I give. I want to make sure they're not like eighty percent true. I want to make sure they're like ninety nine point nine 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 nine. I don't want there to be like something where someone asks me like a weird in between question, you know, and like you know, because like I said, I cut down sheets in the in the early two thousands. Like I don't want that to come off as like you know, just is cutting down sheets, trimming car, you know. I don't know, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. Message me, we'll set it up. I don't think cutting a sheet is trimming. I think tr- I think trimming means that you are trimming a card that was previously cut from the sheet, either by the factory or maybe by someone else after, probably by the factory actually only. I think that's what we mean by trimming cards. So straight well, wait, up, are you a card is is Jason Koontz a card trimmer? I don't trim cards. I've prepped cards. And by prepping cards, I mean so you know, like if you have a, like, let's just say you have a corner with like, you know, like there's some fuzz on it. Like, I think you can kind of like, you know, touch that corner, move the fuzz. Like there's a big difference between taking the whole edge off, um, spooning a corner, pressing a corner, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do, um, without like, you know, trimming a car, like watching Evan's video. Like, I honestly think he's trolling. Like I've never seen Evan trim other than that video. But like, to me, that setup looks like, like there's no way that would work. So I don't know, like grabbing, maybe it would like grabbing a paper cutter and like trimming. I don't know. So someone just said cutting sheets is trimming, yeah, well, cutting sheets. Again. I don't think they understand like, the, you know, Beckett was openly, we grade cheat cut cards. Like that was a thing. So, yeah. so I think, I, I think I get a lot of hate for that because I, I'm pretty transparent. Like, you know, most people, if they wanted to say I didn't do anything, they would say, no, I didn't do anything. Like, no, I, I cut down a lot of sheets for a couple of years, but honestly, like I was making way more money cracking stuff out. Um, and and Beckett stuff kind of lean where, you know, there was a point when Beckett was way over PSA and it made sense. And then Beckett kind of died off in PSA, you know, so um, I focused more on, on okay. cracking PSA. I, I just, uh, Kahana, Kahana, quit it with the, uh, with the swearing in my chat, please. Or I'm going to just have to block you. Family show, no swearing, please. Uh, okay. Yeah, we had, we had, uh, we had. Cutting sheets is trimming. We have cutting sheets is scummy. And then we have cutting sheets is awesome. Uh, courtesy of Evan Mathis. Collector's Dream says Honus Wagner PSA was sheet cut. Mike well, Petty no, says. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was just oversized, right? It was, it was oversized. It wasn't yeah. sheet cut. We'd see that, that's how things get uh, mis- misunderstood a lot. Uh, Petty here says cutting a sheet is cutting a sheet. If you have a cutter, why not trim the regular cards? Are you cutting the sheets with scissors? If you're spooning corners, then, you're cut it, then you cut it after. That's a, it's full of assumptions, but uh, you know, probably some one some that are somewhat reasonable there. Fat Snacks thinks this is amazing. Welcome to the show, Fat Snacks. Uh, okay, yeah, and, and, and cutting the sheets, a lot of people don't know this is like in the 80s, Tops was so overwhelmed, like they would consign dealers out, like they had dealers that they would pay, they would ship them pallets of sheets, and they'd be like, Can you cut these sheets down for us and then distribute them? So like there's a lot of clean tops cards in you know from the 80s and maybe late 70s but like that are sheet cut secondary market and then on the market is normal cards like a lot of people don't know that that you know there's a lot of sheet cut cards that are you know like vending fresh that you know were, were not done by tops they were done by you know third parties and then distributed you know months later yeah Just, yeah i always say a sheet cut card is a card because they're all sheet cut but some are sheet cut by the manufacturer and some are sheet cut after market by someone who came into a sheet and cut it in their basement or their lab or, or their workspace or wherever and then you know there's a comment here travis says i see zero difference between sheet cutting and trimming 
I see a complete difference between the two. I, I just think that's a naive way to look at it because a sheet cut card is a card that was not cut by the manufacturer. So if you're not, so though that's a completely different thing. It's yeah. completely different than trimming a card that was packed pulled by the manufacturer that was packed inserted and then pulled uh, by the manufacturer and the customer. Mathis and, says and, no and, difference. Oh, oh. Both are fine. I don't care when the sheet was cut. Go ahead, Jason. Did you were you well, going to jump in? No, and, and a lot of people have that opinion. Like I've talked to a lot of collectors, and and a lot of people do feel that way. They don't care when the sheet was cut as long as it was done right. Um, you know, I think with with Beckett, a lot of it was pretty obvious because a lot of stuff was left so big. A lot of Opeachy stuff was cut with a non-Opeachy edge. Um, so yeah, it, it's it was pretty obvious too with Beckett. Here, Jay, Fat Snack says Koontz is blinking a hundred times a minute. Can you address that, please? Yeah, I mean, if we want to get into some real, real detail, um, another reason why I think I would be a very bad trimmer is, um, so I was born a very small, full-term, uh, just under four-pound baby. Um, I had a lot of neurological issues. If somebody see me at a show, they know that I have uh, a minor case of Tourette's with my neck and twitch, um, which is also connected to my eyes and my whole body. Um, I was in the hospital for many, many weeks and months as a kid. Um, so I have a lot of neurological issues from that. So people that know me for a long time know that I have this. So that's connected to the eyes, the deck. So yeah, I think if I was using one of Evan's paper cutters, it would probably be like, you know, it, it just, I, I do have great, I, I, I have one of the best eyes in the game. Like if you ask any auction house collector deal, like a lot of people would say that. So, um, there's just for me a lot more money in cracking stuff out than there was, you know, trimming cards, which. I don't think I was very good at it. I, you know, when I had sheets, cut sheets down, it like, it wasn't the best work. So, um, yeah, that, that, so there's the detailed answer of why I blink a thousand times. I think that's a fair answer. Evan Mathis says it'd be dangerous and expensive if you were to, uh, to get into that, that business then. So I want to get back to sports card radio. I know you don't want to send them any clicks, but I'd be, I'm happy to, I don't think I'm sending them many. They get, they get several more than I do, but, um, I watched, they have a video called, they just put it out called Meet the Trimmers. I actually watched it today uh, just to, 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 to do it. And there's a piece in that video on you. So I want to know, Jason, how is it that you got on, you know, you keep, you keep referring back to sheet cutting cards. Is that really the, is that why you got on to their Meet the Trimmers video? Is that why you're listed on their website is, you know, there's like eight or 10 different guys on there. Uh, and you're you're smack dab in the middle of that of that group of people. How 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 did you end up on that list? You to your to the best of your knowledge, I guess. So I think it's a lot more people on that list, and there's several people I think that are just that are deceased on that list. But I, I think it was just a list of some of the top submitters when it came out. But so the funny thing is, is like literally like they put the list on their website, right? And then somebody posted the list on some of the forums. And then they refer back to their list. So like literally like the only sort, like even if you watch that video, it's like a 45 second clip. Like they don't actually say anything other than, you know, hey, this, you know, this guy like is, you know, rumored to, and then he like pulls out a video and threatens to murder me. But like, he doesn't really say anything other than this guy's a, uh, a trimmer. Like he doesn't show any evidence. Like I would say like I've graded million, over a million cards. You know, like there's a lot of other people out there with tens of thousands of before and after pictures or whatever. Like, show me a card that I've trimmed. I want to know, am I good? And other other than just the hearsay of like, hey, 
because everything they say like stems back from their original list that they posted, even through the blow board. Like if you look through some of the forums, like it, everybody resorts back to, Oh, he's on this list from sports car. Like, but there's just, there's nothing else other than that. And probably maybe it comes from me, you know, sheet cutting cards. Cause like we've just seen in the chat, like five people get all worked up over it. Um, so over the past 15 years, 20 years, like it seems like there's a lot of people that are that think sheet cutting sheets is trimming cards. So maybe that's what it is. So if that's the case, then I then I trim cards. But um, you know, I don't think trimming a sheet down or, or you know cutting a sheet down for that is is trimming cards. Okay. Well, we'll take we'll take that as as the answer. Buzzy says dishonesty causes anxiety, which can lead to twitching or incessant blinking. But so can a neurological issue. So. Uh, but thanks, Buzzy, for pointing out uh, other potential well, reasons. I suppose. And, it, well, uh, and Buzzy and Buzzy saying that though is like is kind of just more spreading rumors. And like, if you at like go to some sources of people that have known me for the past thirty years, and any of those people, even people that dislike dislike me or whatever, and which whatever, will acknowledge that I have this issue. So like, to for this is how stuff happens where people just start snowballing rumors, and it's like. I'm having a very, I'm very calm and like, I'm not nervous talking to you, Jeremy. So no, like, I know. And Jason, and, listen, and, 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 and I didn't need to open up about my child, you know, about like, you know, it's of what, you know, the issues of that. So like, to me, that's just a, a silly thing. And like, I, I'm here to answer real questions. So like to make that buzzy is just, I don't know, yeah, it's like not, it, it's, a, it's an insecure comment and like, it is what it is. Exactly. And I, I can say just to the audience and to you, Jason, I met, you know, again, I, I've seen you at the Nationals. We've never chatted. I, I I knew who you were. But when at the Mint Collective, I believe it was the Mint Collective this past year, we we chatted in person, like face to face. And I noticed that you had a twitch and you there was no reason to be nervous around me then. And then we talked about it the other day and you mentioned it to me. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's reasonable. And, and I can definitely uh, corroborate that 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 that's the that's the the i haven't seen your medical records but i noticed that you and i anyway let's move along from there for a, for a moment here um i i had this question are you card porn <laughs> oh man i wish i was i know i know who he is um you know I've, I've chatted with him a bunch i go back and forth like he every time he pisses me off with some of the comments then he you know he, he, he so basically um like I said, I'm not going to talk about other people. I'm not going to, you know, release who he is because he chooses to be anonymous. And for better or worse, sometimes I think it's annoying. But he has another really successful business. Um, and and what he does is he does a lot of his beta testing through card porn. So for his other business, like he'll do, he's a very smart guy. He'll do a lot of unique, whether he's stirring up the pot or whatever he's doing. A lot of that is to figure out comments and reactions on social media to help out his main business. But no, no, I'm not card porn. I do know who he is. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, his, I, I don't know. He, I, yeah. I, I, mean, I, 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 think, I think the anonymity I, is fading. A lot, a lot of people seem to know who's behind card porn nowadays. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, we, we talked about sports card radio. We talked a bit about card porn. What are your thoughts on the hobby watchdog content that is uh you know there's no shortage of it right now some of these guys do a great job some of them a lesser great job what are your thoughts on the hobby watchdog content and how important is it to the hobby that these guys are out there doing their thing when it's accurate i think it's really good i think the problem is is you know uh people 
maybe start off for the right reasons and then they start to get a little bit of affiliate money which can be really good with clicks or they you know i don't think youtube pays a ton but there's a lot of there's some affiliate companies that pay well maybe they get some sponsors and like views turn into money and to get more views you know titles um the things you talk about you push the line like you know obviously like i said i brought up those guys before and said national inquire like love them or hate them and a lot of people watch them and don't like them like they get a lot of views because they're out there and wild and you know like i think sometimes they're funny you know like they say silly shit. um but i i think there's a very thin line between helping the hobby versus like people need to know that they're in it to make money like this is a business for them 100 percent. like they they want it maybe not for carport i think i don't know if car i don't think carport makes any money he makes enough money in his other business but like a lot of people they're trying to build their subscriber list they're trying to make money off this. Like, I don't think they're doing this, you know, maybe because maybe because they love the hobby, but I think even if it starts that way, it turns into a revenue stream. Um, I've, I've seen something where I've been flipping through, like, I think sports card dad, very, not a lot of followers, but like, he's very upfront. Like in his, he, he starts off with, I'm affiliate, you know, like with this, if you click this link, I'll make money. Like, I think that's super transparent. Like to me, that's like, okay, cool. Like I'd be more entitled to click a link that you were that up front, like I please do that. I get a small piece. If you don't, please, you know, enjoy my content. But um like anything, there's there's good and bad. You know, I think uh yeah, that's my opinion on it. A couple years ago, may I think a couple years ago, uh actor Rob Go bought a PSA 952 tops Mickey Mantle, five million, five point two million dollars, something like that. He paid for it. He got a ton of headlines. He he did the he did a lot of the podcast. Uh, uh, circuit in that. What do you know about that card? Is is that card trimmed? Is is that is that was that Evan Mathis's card that you that, know? That, that was yeah, that was that was Evan Mathis. That was so. I don't know. Not that Evan Mathis uh, would would remember, but but I held that that card at Evan Mathis's booth at the National in 2017. Maybe he had the the the, the 52 PSA nine, the 53 PSA ten. And I went to his booth and he held them up and he let me hold them. And I took, took a picture. Actually, he took a picture of me holding them. And then I didn't realize it, but now I guess I do that that card that I held was Evan Mathis's got sold to Rob Go. Now that Evan Mathis puts out the trimming video, I think a lot of people assume that Rob Go's PSA 9 52 tops mantle is trimmed. What do you know about that? Yeah. So I think if it was, it'd be such an amazing story that, you know, Evan as a 12 or 13 year old, um, was able to get this mantle and trim it and sell it for 25 or 30,000 and then leave the hobby. And then 20 years later, come back and then repurchase the card for 2.8 million um, would be, would be a pretty wild story. But the reality is, is, you know, that card was graded in the mid nineties, you know? So see Evans, Evans, he's trolling, like he's trolling because, you know, he thinks it's, you know, he, the, his guys, you need, to, you need to check out Card. Love or hate him? Like this website's pretty cool. I like. I'm not invested, but I, uh, I, I love this website, Cards here, and I think he's trying to get attention for Cards here, um, and that's why he's, you know, trouble. But the funny thing is, is a lot of people. Once again, I've seen like direct 100% people are like, "Hey, Evan, great or Evan, trim that 52 mantle," and like other then people hear that, and then it just starts snowballing again, and all of a sudden. You have a guy who's like, you know, would bet his wife that Evan trimmed that 52 mantle when it just, it's just not true, you know, and it, it's in the 53 mantle he had, I've seen that, like that was 
one of the most natural, gorgeous tens I've ever seen. I mean, that card was amazing. What what's Evan say? What did Evan well, say? He, he said you won't invest in cards here, but thanks for the shout out. Uh, that's 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 pretty funny. Um, I'm I'm spread I'm spread so thin right now. I just uh, Rob, 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 Rob sports cards nonsense said that Rob just sold that card. But I think we've established now that that particular PSA nine fifty two tops mantle was not trimmed by Mathis. Maybe somebody else we don't know, but certainly was not trimmed by Evan Mathis uh, because even. Uh, one of the most honest guys I've ever met in the hobby here, Matt Rocker, 56 Tops guy, said it was graded before Evan had it. Evan then lets us know that Levi Bleem, who's got a the 707 sports cards, a huge booth at, at, at National every year, uh, says that he graded that card many years ago. So that's... Yeah, it, was, uh, it, it, it was Levi's car, card. I remember it was always in a showcase, and it was like he never wanted to sell it to me. Like when the card was worth 500 grand, I'd offer him 450 and then he'd say, I want five. And then I'd say, okay, how about 500,000? And now he's 600. Like every time I would kind of like agree to his price to buy it, he'd, he'd raise it another 50,000. And then, you know, finally, like he got a absurd number at the time for it and decided to let it go. Okay. Well, good. And professor here says, I think Jeremy announced he will be teaming up with sports card dad. Just to clarify, uh, Dennis Zender, who goes by, PC with DPZ on Instagram and was hosting a still hosts a, a collector's series uh, was used to be on the Luca nation network. Now it's on the sports card dad network. I've teamed up with Dennis. We're starting a new show called taking stock. And our first episode will be this Monday. And then it's going to fall on Tuesdays. After that, it'll stream to my channel sports cards live and to the sports card dad uh, channel as well. That's what that's about professor. But uh, thanks for asking. All right, here's a question I got, Jason, when I was soliciting for questions. It reads, and this one came from our friend Matt Rocker. It says, I know you love Jackie Robinson Leaf rookies. Do you have any examples you know are trimmed or altered in your collection? Does knowing that prevent you from adding them to your PC? I'm curious about people's comfort levels with having known altered cards in their PC. Um, I have a lot of them. And yes, I have some that I definitely think are trimmed. Um, it doesn't bother me too much. I'm more of, I'm, I, I'm very finicky on centering. So I would rather have, and, and this is, people are going to hate this too, but like, I would rather have a perfectly trimmed seven that's dead centered or six or whatever, maybe in like the super high grades, who knows, but like, I'd rather have a dead centered six that, you know, maybe is full size, but somebody did trim it versus a legit six that's centered 90, 10. Just, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's where I stand on that. Um, because I just understand that it's, it is what it is. Like, this is the hobby. Like it's to me, graded cards is a, is a, a necessary evil in the hobby. Like a lot of people want to just get away from graded cards, which is the most silliest thing ever, because if they think that there's inconsistencies in grading, like, and you go back to raw cards, then you're in the wild, wild west. Like people don't know that in the eighties, like, you know, there's guys like, Steve Timmons, or they call them Steve Trimmons, who would, you know, like no nobody would knew as well. Like he would literally, you know, cut stuff this short, but and charge whatever because he's like, this is a mint card, and nobody nobody would know. So it, yeah, when it's in a holder, like I'm assuming PSA, you know, it was high enough quality to make it into a holder, and it you know it doesn't bother me. Like I don't want I don't want a blatantly ugly, you know, early '90s trim card. Like that's something I would not want in my collection. But if it was full size, nice card. If it was centered, I'd rather have that than something that's 90 10. 
Yeah, I understand that perspective. Mine is a bit different. I would rather have a I'd rather have a beautiful trimmed card in a in a you know a slab, whether it's PSA or SGC, uh, that says altered, or I, I don't even want to say altered. I want to I want it to say trimmed right on the label, but I'd rather have a, a trimmed you know, 52 tops Mickey Mantle that looks like it presents like a seven or an eight, but is trimmed and it says trimmed on the slab versus having, you know, an ugly six or an ugly seven or a beat up one, two or three for that matter. I'd rather have that for myself, but I only would want it if it said it. I think, you know, let's get into this for a second now. You know, there's the whole, the whole issue on is trimming okay, which we know it isn't. Well, we know, I feel, I won't speak for you. I feel it isn't. I'm not a fan of trimmed cards. I, I would rather not have any in my collection unless it's a 52 tops mantle, which I just can't afford any copy really. So I'll, I'll you know, you take what you can get. But I, I have, I've always thought that, you know, if you're going to trim a card, if you're, you know, Evan Mathis, the new poster, poster boy for this, if you're Evan Mathis and you're going to trim a card and then you're going to send it in for grading, I don't think there's a problem with that if, if you tell the grading company, I trimmed this card, please put trim. It's all about disclosure. I think disclosure is one of the things that is that has to be mentioned when it comes to trimming cards. Does this now I'm gonna go further with this and I want your opinion, but for the chat, I think disclosure makes it almost okay, but it, I don't I still don't get there. And the reason I don't get there completely is because what if I have my my 52 tops mantle that looks like a seven, but is trimmed and PSA identified it as trimmed at that time. Then I crack it out and I send it back and I don't tell them it was trimmed. So disclosure only helps to the extent that you're the owner of the card. If you disclosed it and you own the card, disclosure is a wonderful thing. But as soon as you dispose of that card and someone else gets it, now the disclosure loses its value because that person can crack it out and do something with it. Like try and, you know, submit it again and not be honest about the true state of the card all that said what are your thoughts on you know first of all is trimming okay by you or like i know you what you just said about rather having this card than that but is trimming okay by you and how do you feel about the disclosure angle does that kind of does does that for a known for an unknown and admitted trimmer does that get them out of the out of the hobby doghouse if they disclose it so two part, yeah, answer the first part. I think on the, on the spectrum of like, you know, working on a card, I'm okay with a lot leading up. Like, yeah, trimming is definitely probably crossing the line. Everything leading up to that, like, I, I, even like, you know, these, and I had no idea how to do it, but watching like these Kurt's card care video, like how to take these, um, these surface scratches out of Bowman Chrome. I wish I knew how to do that because there's a lot of stuff I had in the and, and there's people that lose their mind over that. Like, I think that's okay as long as it's back to a refinished, you know, product. But I think trimming's probably crossed the line. Most stuff leading up to that is fine. Um, but that's where you kind of come into this weird argument of like, everyone has a different opinion and definitely seeing that in like some of the newer people in Evan's chat. Like I was actually shocked at the amount of people on in the comments that were like totally okay with with trip they're like yeah like you're just refurbishing it you're it's like you know you go buy a house and you put new siding on it like you don't need to disclose that you put new siding to sell the house so it definitely seemed like there was a lot of people that were okay with it um i think the people that have been around for forever are are less okay with it and mostly okay with like 
removing a crease and stuff. And then you have your total purists that are like, you know, I want my card, you know, untouched. Um, the second part is, I, I think if you send a card to PSA and you don't, I don't, I don't think you're required to disclose anything. Like it's their job to catch it. Now getting it back in your, in your collection, like you can do whatever you want with it, but that does create the opportunity of like, you know, let's say you die. Now that card gets sold in a, you know, in a state sale, now it's free game for the next person to do whatever they want and not disclose. But that's not just in card grade. That's literally in everything. Like there's every part of the hobby, like from the moment of inception to the whole line, like at any point, like whether it's a, you know, a patch card, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things is like, you know, we don't grade patch cards at ISA. And the reason is, is the people that replace the patches, you know, you take like a plain white patch and put in like some sick four colored patch. The people that do that, are 100%. Like PSA, nobody can detect it. So I just chose that we're just not going to grade that because their system with that is flawless. It's perfect. You can't you can't take it. You, so if if somebody wanted a super cool crazy patch card for their collection, that's cool. But like you've literally like recreated the card. They sell that. The next person, they're going to sell. So like every part of manipulation is once it goes to the next tier, like, you know, you're asking every single person to acknowledge you know the history of that card and that's i don't think that's realistic you know you mentioned the fake patches and that's something that i've has been bothering me for almost 20 years now i went as far as creating a website in about 2007 called fake patch report i just couldn't keep up with all the fake patch reports i was receiving was going to university so i couldn't continue it but i stopped collecting rpas rookie patch autos because of the fake patch epidemic i just i knew i had fake me and all my collector friends, we knew we had fake patches in our collection. Just like right now, I'm certain I have a trimmed card in a PSA slab in my collection. There's really no doubt in my mind that I do. I've got hundreds of these things. It's vintage and you know, mid, some mid-high grade stuff. I'm sure I have trimmed cards in my collection. Do you think that by Evan Mathis's video coming out, call, bringing so much attention to this topic right now, which is a good thing that there's attention on it because it's a real issue in our hobby and people need to be informed and know about it. So just like I have stopped collecting RPAs because I don't trust patch, I don't trust patches and RPAs. So what about with high grade vintage? Like I am now, I have concern personally about purchasing high grade vintage anymore moving forward. Now it's not like I'm, I'm new and I just realized this was an issue now. But it's, you know, much more in my face over the last couple of weeks. And I'm thinking to myself moving forward, you know, maybe I should be more diligent and go for mid-grade or low-grade. And to me, that is a signal that if I'm willing, if I'm thinking that way, has to be hundreds, if not thousands of other people also thinking that way. And that could do damage to the market values of the cards of a lot, a lot of big investors in the space, a lot of longtime collectors. The biggest of all collectors could be thinking this way, too. New people might think this way. The people that have huge valuable collections right now, when they go to sell them, might be in for a surprise that it's going to be harder to find buyer, get a bidding war on your cards because people are just too nervous to buy them. I think that's a, a risk that the hobby is now faced with. What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't at all. I think this is just a, another blip in the road of somebody bringing it up that, you know, unless Evan keeps doing videos over and over again, it'll spike, you know, like it did in, in popularity of the, and then it's just going to go away. And the reason I know that is like, this isn't the first time this is brought up. Like this has been an ongoing thing for, 
you know, for 25 years, like it, you know, this people have talked about all this stuff. Um, many, many, many times. I know a lot of the big collectors and like there, there's collectors that have come to me and they're like, Hey, you, you get great, you know, great grades with PSA. Can, you know, here's an eight five, like, you know, can you get this one? And I don't care what, 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 what I, I just don't want it. I don't care what you do. Just can you get them? Like, that's not really how it works, but like, they don't care. A lot of guys, some do, but like most of the big collectors I know, like they kind of already know that, you know, there's a chance that some stuff in their collections trim, but a lot of people are just holder collectors. Hey, like, you know, like, like it or not, a lot of people like, especially set registry guys that are just craving that next grade up to boost their set numbers. Like they don't get, they don't care at all. Like that you could, they just want the numbers. So I, I think a lot of it is um, just, you know, you could, shit, I don't want to swear. You could shit in a holder and like, it's, it is what it is. Like people are still going to buy the holder. I think there's, there's way too many people out there that, you know, that are going to take, you know, I don't think there's enough people that are going to just make a stand um, and say, Oh, I'm just done buying. Maybe they do. Maybe they start buying lower grade stuff. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to make that big a deal. I just, cause I've, I've seen it where people have freaked out in the past. Like, Oh, well, the you, know. you know what though? I think one of the differences there, Jason, is that back then there wasn't this, there weren't this many YouTube channels, active Instagram accounts. Twitter was smaller. Hobby Twitter was smaller. I, I don't know, man. Like I hear what you're saying. But things do change over time. And I don't know that I agree because I'm I guarantee you myself, I will not my my purchase, my future purchasing activities, decisions have been changed. Now that's okay. that's that's just me. I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I have to think if I'm thinking that way, some other people, maybe it's only one or two other people, maybe it's one or two hundred or thousand. I don't know. But I think that I think that times are different now than they were, even you know, pre-pandemic. There's way more content out there. There's way more people tuning in. New people are going to YouTube and Twitter and Instagram to learn about the hobby as well as their hobby shops and all that. But I wonder, I wonder, I think this is one of those let's wait and see what happens sort of things. So, well, so, so I'll just touch one more, one more point on that is, is, you know, a lot of people, there's, there's only so much stuff that people can, can bump, right. Or, or, or upgrade or, or crack, you know, whatever. Like, like I said, I think the cracking out game's over. And I think a lot of the people that, you know, I don't know for sure, but like that, I think we're trimming cards like that have, are left the hobby. It's because a lot of that stuff's just not available anymore. And you can't just go buy, you know, you see like, I've, I've seen comedy. People think you just go buy a 52 mantle and a six and then you trim all four sides and it gets a nine. Like, you know, that'll, PSA knows what they're doing. And with them, we've talked about them being more difficult lately. I think they're definitely judging more on the side of caution now. You know, there's population report, like that's a real thing. And I think now, like with them being more strict, with them being more, um, you know, if they even think that something's bad, I think they're kicking it more, more, more likely to kick it. So there's going to be less big stuff that come out. So the, the, the supply is still so low. You know, you're not going to see, you know, a, a 52, like a, to get a 52 mantle nine, like, you know, and, and I've done this because I've cracked an insane amount of wax. Like you could go to PSA headquarters right now and open a pack of 52 and pull a mantle and, and then walk in and submit it. And they could call it, they'll call it altered stock. Just because it's, if it looks that mint, like they're just erring on the side of caution. So I think with population control, like whatever's out there is out there. Like a lot of it's buried in collections. They're just, it's just not coming up. Like a Gretzky Opeachy 9. Like it, you don't need to work. Like if you buy one of those, whether it's trimmed or it's not trimmed, like a, a nine is worth a decent amount of money. And, and like, it's not like you need to worry of, 
you know, 10 more Gretzky nines coming out in the next couple of years. Like it's just not going to happen. So is that, is that pop control or is that they just don't exist? Both. Um, it, it's a little bit of both. I mean, they're definitely, they just, you know, the high grade stuff just is very hard to find now. Like most of it has come out of the woodwork, you know, you, there's still occasional finds and stuff, but the pop control is real. Like if PSA grades and that, you know, Beckett has no pop control. Beckett would just sit there and, you know, do whatever. But like PSA, like if they grade a Ricky Henderson in a 10, if I showed up the next week with, with 10 amazing Ricky Hendersons that all deserve 10s, like I'm not getting a 10. Like that's just, it's just the I way mean, it that, is. Isn't that just, isn't that just wrong? Like, isn't that, isn't what it, it like, it's frustrating. We know that at least one of the PSA 10 OPG Wayne Gretzky's is pretty weak. Like it might not even be a nine if graded today. Who knows, right? Who 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 really knows? But the fact that there's only two of them, and I've seen some, I've seen some pretty nice ones get submitted by other people, and you know they're like, well, we're gonna try again, and uh, you know it's just they they can never get that. It's been stuck at two for how long? It was stuck at one for a long time. It's stuck at two now. Yeah. Like what? Why? Why won't they? Why won't they give another ten if they're seeing ten quality cards come through? Is it to protect the owners of the first two? I.e., is that a pop control thing, or are they protect? Like, why? What's the motivation of the grading companies not to give the appropriate grade to a to a card? And by by appropriate grade, I'm talking specifically right now about an Opeechi Gretzky. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think like high end. I don't think they're just flowing into PSA. So like you know, me saying walking in saying I have ten. Mid, but I've seen like nines that. that look nicer than both of the tens. That's what I'm saying, of, you know. Of, and I've seen them course, in hand, of, not just on screen. I've seen them in hand. Of course. Um, and I've seen you both. Know, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So you know, I don't want to toot where our horn because I know you have a tag in it. So we put the authentication date on the back of our holders at ISA, and to me, that's very valuable because over the the history of PSA, the standards have changed a little bit. You know, like the card was graded easier in '95 to '97. You know, then. It was hard in 2000. Like I, like there was times when stuff was graded easier, graded harder. So now we're in a hard state right now. And I don't know how long, maybe we'll be in a super hard state forever. And you know, you, nothing was, nothing drives PSA more like crazier or greater when you bring them a card and say, Hey, uh, here's a eight. Here's my eight. My eight's way nicer than this. Like they don't care. Like they don't want to hear that. They don't want to look at an old card because you're basically telling them one, you either messed up on this card or you messed up on this card. And to them, it's like, you know, you're, you're calling them out. So um, to say that, you know, this Gretzky nine is better than, you know, the 10. Yes, we can, we can all agree on that, but like, they're just, they're not going to give that a 10 based on the fact that it looks nicer than the last 10. It's just the standards for a 10 have changed that it, it needs to be so out of this world. Perfect. That that's the new standard probably because, you know, listen, when a 10 Gretzky was graded in the 90s, it was a $100,000 card. A lot of money, but not, you know, what's a Gretzky 10 now? $5 million? Like, Probably. Yeah, 3.75 right, so like, last time it sold. Right. So that's, you know, so that's a, that's a bigger difference of, a, of, of pulling the trigger on a card. You know, like it's easier to pull a trigger on a $100,000. I'm not saying 100000 is a lot of money. It's not $5 million. All right, so I'm going to go to some comments right now. First of all, Evan Mathis, uh, thank you for the ten dollars super sticker. <laughs> uh, not sure that not sure that the audience would, would be a fan of me accepting money from you, but uh, but I also want to say, you know, if you, I'm sure everybody here has has seen 
or, or listened to the podcast of Sports Card Nonsense, did with Evan. I listened to it yesterday. Great job, by the way, uh, to the Sports Card Nonsense crew on that. And, and nice job by Evan on there as well. And Evan, you know, uh, there's controversy whether we should be talking about this or not. But of course, I'd love to get Evan on the show at some time and do a little bit of grilling of him myself. But thanks for the 10 bucks, Evan. Uh, okay, Hockey Cardboard says SGC labels cards as trimmed, which P- wish PSA did the same. I do too. Dan the Cardman says grading has been the Wild West in recent years too. Has been forever, but way more exacerbated lately. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Travis says, I, I would just like I would just like to say, I mean, I've kind of I've said this a few times, but when you go from 25 graders to 130 graders, that's you know that's you know it, it, experience, experience is important. I mean, like you know, it's it's not easy to train. It seems like it is, but it's not. It's very very difficult to train quality grading. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's very underestimated. I I'm sure it is. Uh, Travis says, I'd rather have a trimmed card that measures correctly than an undersized card that was miscut by factory. See, that's, I think that's a minority opinion right there or thought, but all the power to you, Travis Trail. Uh, TDOT says, it's the authenticity of the item at the end of the day, which matters. And I, I think that's exactly, we're back to when we were just talking about disclosure and all that. And I definitely agree with that, TDOT. Evan says, here's your disclosure. If you buy graded cards, you buy trimmed cards. And that's that's kind of what I, I think. It's not to say that everybody has trimmed cards in their collection. You know, you might have gotten lucky. You might have 500 graded cards in your collection. And, not, and I mean great. I'm talking vintage. You may not have. And it might apply to modern, too. I don't mean it doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in modern. But it happens, happens more in modern, by the way. More in modern. So there we go. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Like I said earlier, I'm sure I have at least one trim card in my collection. I'm sure everybody here watching that has a graded collection that didn't grade it all themselves and pack pull themselves likely has too. Another comment from Dan, the card man says, that's probably the best thing to come out of your video, Evan. You know, I ain't a fan, but it's opened the eyes to a lot of people. And that's where I say like, that's, that's the double-edged sword. I agree with this comment by Dan, the card man, that it's opened a lot of people's eyes. But the other side of that coin is that it's also shown people how to do the dirty. And that's where I, that's where I think we also have an, an issue, right? I, I definitely, I think there's going to be an influx of trim cards submitted to PSA in the next few months. And SGC and us, like, people are going to watch that and think, you know, hopefully they, you know, they don't just go buy some paper cutter and, you know, because they're going to be probably strongly disappointed because PSA is very good. But I think these videos and talking, you know, it's good to talk about it, but it's also the negative side is, is you're going to have a lot of people that think it's totally okay. And they're going to just start going out and trimming a bunch in, you know, and ruining a bunch of cards. Maybe they'll ruin them and they won't be, they'll be obvious trim jobs. So it may, then, maybe, then, I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've never trimmed a card. Maybe it takes time to get good at it. I mean, Evan's, Evan's hundred something nail file and what he did there. I was like, really? Like though, even the way Evan was touching the cards, I thought, man, this guy's got, he's, he's got a set of, you know, what on him if he's willing to take those risks and to- touching if, the cards. And if, if that's how he does it and that works, then we're all in trouble because that yeah. looks, that looks way too uh, like 1980s step. By, it, it, you know, I don't know. It looked a little like, <laughs> all right. Let's keep on going. Let's whip through a few more comments here. Bobby Burrell says that if Beckett knowingly graded sheet cut cards, how can we blame people for cutting sheets at this point? That would just be simple hobby commerce. 
I don't like sheet cut cards, so I don't buy Beckett graded subs. I'm of the exact same uh, position as Bobby here. I don't think there's a, an issue really with cutting a, a card from a sheet. As long as you're disclosing it, I don't see an issue. So how do you disclose it? You send it into Beckett because their policy has been to grade sheet cut cards. They don't put it on the, on the label, which I wish they would do. That would like make it so much better for all of us, but they don't, they don't do that. And I, I'd really like to see them start doing that. But in any event, um, at the end of the day, this is, it's been going on for a long time. And even, you know, when I cover PWCC auctions on their premier auction, I'll look at these cards. I'll say, well, it's a, you know, it's a Beckett slab. If you're going to buy this, know that there's a chance that this, there's a, maybe a good chance, especially on this one, because it looks so clean, especially, you know, peachy has no rough cut, perfect edges there's a good chance that this thing is sheet cut. And if you're like me, Jeremy Lee, and you want your cards pack pulled, then you want to stay away from those. And the Opeaches are super obvious. Um, and then, but even like, you know, 80, 84 uh, tops football, there was hundreds, if not thousands of those sheets cut down. And most people, I mean, the borders are obnoxiously big. Like, you know, you can look at that and, and tell like, you know, it's, it's pretty blatant that it's sheet cut. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. 1956 tops guy here says registry common is a good one. Lots of people buying holders. I'm good with my rounded corners, great registration and strong centering. And that's me exactly, Matt. I love a nice rounded corner on a vintage card, a nice, even natural rounding. To me, that's a thing of beauty and, uh, and where I'm going to be going a lot more to now moving forward. Uh, personally, um, you know, we talked about, you know, disclosing on a on a flip that the card is trimmed. Or we also talked about how can a grading company actually detect a trimmed card? It seems evident that human grading companies at least just can't do it consistently. I think that's the fact of the matter right now. You mentioned the amount of graders increasing, the training. It's just really hard to do it. It takes time. And I'm sure that both, you know, that all the, the four human grading companies that, that I look at being PSA, Beckett, SGC, CSG, I have to think that they're yeah, not just well, training somebody for 16 hours and then throwing them on the floor. Like this must be a couple months long of a process. You'd know better with ISA grading though, maybe. Well, you, you know, the, the main guys at, at C, S, CGS, C, CSG are, came from Beckett, are, yeah. are, Beck, are Beckett's guys. Just so, you know, you know that it's like. I have know. a lot of respect for, for that, for that move by CSG to bring in um andy broom and uh oh it's just slipping my mind right now but yes i'm say it no i'm not i'm 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 positive i'm a hobby positive guy (laughs) i i I mean okay here's here's where i was going with that though as a you know what do you think of this and this is a question out to the chat i don't know if this is a good idea or not really came up with it i wrote the note down about 10 minutes ago but you know instead of like, would it make sense for there to be some sort of report or something from the grading company that says, you know, on a scale of one to 10, we think the likelihood this is trimmed is a zero, a one, all the way up to, you know, nine or, or 10, if they're absolutely certain, you know, and I haven't thought this through. So it could be the worst idea in the world. It probably is just so you know what I'm thinking about my own idea here. But what is that? Is there any, is that a potential solution for the grading companies who really just can't detect trimmed cards 100% of the time to, to, to actually put a probability, their probability assessment 
maybe even throw a standard deviation in there that the card might be trimmed. It, it would be really interesting. Um, you know, it's like all other businesses are, we're the only collectible that does it is like, you know, against, uh, you know, altering like comics and coin, like every other industry alters the, the current, you know, the product. We're the only industry where it's like, this is, you know, really bad. So maybe that's like a buffer to acceptance of, you know, I don't know exactly how to do it. Um, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're 70%. The only, the only problem with that is, is, you know, what if, you know, here, here comes back to the human element. We're a hundred percent sure this card's not altered. And then all of a sudden, you know, someone releases a video saying, Hey, look, here's me altering this card that they just said was a hundred percent not altered. So it's like, you know, you're back to the, you're the same spot that you're in right now. It's like, you know, because PSA is all opinion based anyway. And PSA is, is very good at what they do. SGC is very good at what they do. You know, we're really good at what they do. I'm sure the AI, I, I haven't really bought, you know, tag grade. I'm very curious to see, you know, how it is against some alterations and, and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, we're very good at detecting this stuff. Nobody's perfect. We're definitely way better than, you know, just buying raw cards. Um, but I think people do get confused if they just think like every single thing that's just coming in is getting holder. Like that's not the case at all. Like in, in cause PSA over exaggerates, like they kick a lot of natural stuff. Like I've cracked a ton of wax and we can talk about some of that too. Like I've cracked hundreds of 86 flare boxes, you know, they'll kick Jordan straight from packs that it didn't call them altered stock or, or whatever, just because it's a valuable card and they're being more cautious. So it's, it's just as frustrating when to kick a card, that's natural for trimming that is, is, you know, to me the other way around. So I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I don't, I think you're kind of back in the same spot when it's like, what if they, you know, what, so, so people, you know, then is there, there are now price points on we're 60% sure we're 80% sure. Yeah, I know. Um, that, I know. That's why I, I throw, I throw it out there, but I didn't think it through. I don't know. Let's go to some more comments though. Thanks for those. Uh, Dan, the card man says it's crazy how pop control pops up in the comic space. People say CGC, does the opposite, hands out 9.8s, way more than they used to. But that's typical with grading companies over the last 20, 25 years. They they go through cycles of being hard graders, easy graders, hard graders, easy graders. We, I think anyone who's been grading cards for that long, I, I, I didn't grade my first card till 2008. I bought graded cards before that, but I did my first sub in 08, Jason. And since then, I've noticed that happening and uh, you could even kind of know what with certain numbers what what certain number ranges were were they grading easier versus harder i'm so sure there's look, people I, that specialize in that this just reminded me of something i kind of wanted to ask because i'm just curious the way you spitball on the last one so cgs with the cgc with the comics like the reason there's higher grades is they'll actually work on and fix and alter the comics for you and then grade them like would it be accepted if we'll say PSA since they're the biggest, they hired uh, hired a, a card altering division and put something through, maybe not trimming, but like what if you could send something to PSA first that had creases and they took the creases out for you to get a higher grade? Like what would that change? You know, how, how that's just, I'm just spitballing of like, what would that be? Cause that would be, that would be really interesting be, because it would, <laughs> let's see how successful they are. Not how much, how, how much people are willing to accept, you know, disclosed altered cards into their collections. Um, no, it wouldn't, be, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be even disclosed. It would just be, you sent them a card that's a surface wrinkle that's a five, has the eye appeal of an eight. They've taken the surface wrinkle out 
and then it goes to grading. So it was professionally restored after, and and now the card is just an eight. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what's funny? When 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 a kid wrote the player's name or number on the back of the card in this. 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they altered the card, but it was okay because it was innocent. They were just a kid putting their initials on the back of the card. That's alteration in the first eight. If I'm holding a card in 1980 and I throw it against a wall and I ding a corner, I've now altered that card. I've, I've changed the condition of that card. That's completely okay by the hobby standards, but to then go and remove that crease or that bend, that's where people get, they, they don't accept it. Writing on the back of the card in pencil or pen. If someone then goes to try to remove that, it's considered altered. But the alteration actually happened in the first instance, but it was more innocent. So, you know, a lot of it, there's in, there's intention in all this. There's well, there. But you're also, so in the pencil situation, you're just, you're bringing, because you can, you can, if pen, you can't. But pencil, if it's, have, is, is, is if it hasn't really indented the card, you can remove pencil from a card and bring it back to its original state with, with zero evidence of, so like, that's another question. Like I know a lot of people that are totally okay with that. I know people that, you know, think that you're the, uh, the devil if you do that, but like, that's another thing that is an area where on the spectrum of one to 10, like, where does that fall? Because like you said, the card was, you know, altered. It was then unaltered and brought back to its original state. And then it passes through, any major, you know, that's something kind of like the patch thing. Like it's, it's undetectable. Um, it's going to get graded if, if it's done properly, right. but you, you could ruin the card too, though. And then you're going to be, you know, if you try to do that, an expensive card and it's not done correctly, you're going to take a you know valuable card and now it's going to be altered and like, you're going to lose money. So, um, you know, that's something to me that's definitely, I think it's okay. Um, you know, so I, I'm curious your thoughts. I, you know what, I got to be honest with you right now, Jason, I was kind of scanning comments. So I was, I was letting you, okay. you, you okay. run off there. Let's, uh, uh, but I think the comments address some of these things and, and I agree with a lot of them. So first of all, Lancer SS says, so doing damage is okay, but fixing a problem is bad. I think that is a lot of that, that is, that does apply in, in many situations, but I don't think it's across the board. Dan, the card man says pressing comics was sacrilegious. Now they charge you for it. That's what you were just saying. I can see it happen. Listen, listen, you know, Jason, everybody, things change over time. Like everything changes over time. Nothing, nothing is permanent. So um, I could see, I could see this sort of comic book thing coming into the sports card space. It's going to take a long time and you're going to have to get through a lot of, of us gatekeepers who, you know, we like, I don't, I only want pack pulled cards as they were pack pulled in my collection. That's all I welcome into my personal. I, now I do have, I have hand cut cards because they were box bottoms or they weren't available. Otherwise that's different. A card that is packed, that can be pack pulled is the only way that I want it in my collection. So, so how, so Jeremy, how, how old are you? I'm 51. Okay. So, so on the spectrum, I, I think you're clearly over here. Like you're a purist. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I agree on some stuff and then some stuff I definitely think is altered. It's, it's, I just have to qualify because I did say earlier, I would take a trimmed 52 tops mantle in my collection that looked really nice as long as it said altered on the label. No, I understand. I understand that. But I mean, I think it, it's, it, and I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like removing a crease or some of these other things, like maybe you're, you're at least in the middle on it. You're not like just dead set, like trimming's bad, like clearly, but like these other things you're, 
it sounds like you're against these two. I think as the, had, let me just say one thing, Jason. I've had cards in my showcase at card shows, and then I've had some vintage experts come up to me and say, you know, this is a little harshly graded. I my Gordy Howe PSA four fifty one Parkers. I've had someone say to me, that's a little harshly graded. Uh, you you want to leave it if you leave it with me for a couple of weeks. I can probably get it into a, a five condition for, I said, not a chance, man. I'm yeah. happy with it. I don't care about the slab so much. I bought, I try to, now it's not, I'm not hundred percent consistent. I like to buy the card, not the holder set registry. People buy the holder. They don't care about, they don't care as much about the sum. I know there's, we got some, some guys in there that do, but I've talked to one of the top set registry guy out there, guys out there, the one of the top guys. And he said to me, I don't care about the card. I just want that grade. And this guy, yeah could afford whatever he wants. So I find that I found that to be surprising. I think there's a lot of people like that. I mean, the point I was going with the age thing wasn't to, you know, say how old we're getting because we're dinosaurs in the hobby now is I think that the, the younger, you know, the younger generations are accepting more and more. Um, definitely the older collectors for the most part, I feel like are dead, dead set in their ways. Um, and just, just looking at some of the comments when Evan's video and like, it just seemed like it was way different than what I thought it would be. It was on, you know, Instagram, it looked like it was split. And then on, on TikTok, it looks like it was like 90%. People are like, you know, I don't understand what the issue is here. So I just feel like we're, we're in, a, in the next couple of years heading to the first stage of one of the big companies offering, not trimming, but, you know, she, SGC did sheet cutting. Like they do, they grade sheet cut cards. I don't know if they do it anymore, but they had a service where they would cut down sheet cutting cards. Um, I, I don't know eventually if PSA makes a move that they, you know, bring in a division like, like, um, like Dan, I don't know what Dan name is, but Dan was saying it was very taboo in comics. And now the company's like, Hey, it's an upcharge. You know, you know how much PSA loves their upcharges. They, you know, how, you know, how much would they love to hit you for another, um, you know, a couple hundred bucks to, to take the crease out. Yeah, nobody minds up charges in an up up ticking market, but a down ticking market up charges can cause some some major grief uh, for for submitters. That's that is for sure. Um, Stukes baseball cards here says I'd like to see the grading companies tell submitters that if their card is found to be trimmed, it will be marked permanently as trimmed on the card. Make the risk higher. I love that idea. That could that could curb it greatly. So, but well, again, so, so here's not- here's oh. the major here's the major backfire. This is why. People have been pissed at PSA in the, like, in the past, and the argument is, um, my, you know, what I'm telling you, they kick a lot of natural stuff for trimming. So let's say I crack an '86 Fleur box, and I spent at the time when I was cracking them, I was only, I wasn't, I was spending fifteen thousand. I was not paying this hundred thousand dollar price. So I send in my Jordan, that's clearly from a pack. Um, PSA gets it, and they, th- you know, they think, oh, this card's trimmed. They stamp my card trimmed. That's a hundred percent not trimmed. Like, let's say I get that on video, you know, from start to finish. And now PSA has, you know, owes me $15,000. So like they don't shoot anywhere near a hundred percent. So they start, they start stamping people's cards that aren't trimmed. It's becomes a major issue. So, yeah. Yeah. There's no shortage of stories that I've seen, heard, or like, and people close to me that have submitted cards that are clearly, you just know aren't trimmed because they they pulled it as a kid and uh, and they and then they come back um, they come back trimmed. Um, okay, 
Evan Mathis here says, well, like you said, grading companies often call pack fresh cards trimmed. They've always been just guessing, guys. Okay. All right. Uh, Colin Murray here says the values of nice graded fours, fives, and sixes with soft corners should go up then if high grade vintage is going to scare buyers. And like we talked about a bit earlier, I don't know that that's going to happen across the board and how impactful it'll be, but I do think there, there is something there. Uh, Dan, the card man again comes back to disclosure for me and um, yeah, for me as well. But disclosure but, is only good as long as you're the only person that owns the card. It loses when, once you move it because that person could break it out. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry, just to jump back at the last guy's comment. Like, So obviously this business, you know, there's pure collectors and there's people looking for arbitrages to make money. Like if that person truly feels that way or you feel that way, like that, that's a massive opportunity right now. Like if you think fours, fives, and sixes, are going to go like maybe those are really cheap right now in comparison if if higher grade stuff's going to come down which i don't really think it is but it's all opinion you know if you think fours fives and sixes are going to be worth more now is a great time to buy them and make money so i got it okay i had a question that came in uh this came in from uh, the group i'm in i the the question came in as, as such you are on record of having graded over 100 of the 300 MJ Fleer PSA 10s, number 57 from 1986. Can you please confirm that? And if so, how can you possibly have done that without trimming? So most people don't realize that Michael Jordan is one of the easiest cards in the set. Like, I don't know if you knew that, but like Jordan, like, so I, I've cracked three or 486 Fleer box. And I don't know if it's a hundred. Like I was, you know, if there's 315 in the pot, like maybe I have 75, but I have the most for sure. Like I have you know, a, a high percentage of, you know, whether it's 75, 80, it's definitely a lot of them. Um, I've cracked a ton of wax. I've cracked a ton of nines. That card wasn't always what it's worth now. Like there was a point when a Jordan 10 was, you know, five, $6,000. It wasn't scrutinized. Like you could look at an old Jordan and say, this card, you know, is a nine today would never grade. It is what it is. But Jordan's come out like extremely clean. If you crack 86 floor basketball, um, when I was cracking my cases, or cases, not, I wish it was case, uh, boxes from, you know, 99 to, you know, 04 is, is when I did the majority of it. I was paying between 12 and 15,000 a box. People were selling that they, they thought I was like a rich trust fund kid. And I had this addiction to opening packs and almost felt sorry. Like, oh, this guy's got an opening pack problem. What they didn't realize is, you know, on a bad box, I would lose four or $5,000 on a good box that came centered I would make 150 to 200,000. So yeah, I mean, it's just Jordan, Jordan's like literally easiest card in the set. It's graded harder because it's Jordan, but you know, there's, he's in the list of the 10 guys that if they're centered, they, they rarely come with print. They usually come centered and 86 flare boxes are always like the corners are always tens. If they're, if the corners are not tens, you have a resealed box. Okay, cool. Evan Mathis says, I graded six of the 86 Flair 10s. None were altered, at least to his knowledge. And the Hobby with Cage says, notice that no one is trimming hockey cards because no one really cares about hockey cards. Cage, you, you put out some great content, buddy, but I thought you were informed. I thought, I thought you actually knew what you were talking about. You obviously have the Sport Card that, Expo that, ever. Well, a, a room is the second biggest show in the, in the, in the world is uh, 80, 80% hockey. But I know you're just giving me a hard time there, Cage. Okay, 
Back to you, uh, back to you, Jason. So here's another comment, another question I got, and uh, we've sort of talked about it a bit, but let's just let's just go through this one. There's been a lot of discussion around trim cards passing through grading. Is this an issue with some graders not having proper training, or perhaps not spending enough time with each card to examine it thoroughly, or is it possible that many of these cards have been trimmed in such a way that it simply cannot be detected by even the most experienced of graders? I think a little bit of every, all of the above. Um, I, I yeah, all, all of the above. I mean, I think it's a combination of of all that. You know, a lot of people will send stuff in at low. Who's that case? A lot of people send in stuff at at a tier level that maybe they shouldn't, and it kind of slips through one of the newer guys. Um, Look, at, this is a good comment right here. <laughs> That's a good comment, Dan. I, I don't know Dan, but I, I'm already, I already like him. I don't know if he likes me. I don't really, but I, I like Dan. Dan seems fun. Yeah, that's a good comment. And Cage's new, uh, his, his new avatar is actually cards in a cage. So he, he's halfway there. Okay, sorry. Please get I, back I, to I, I, know, I, I love Cage. Cage is great too. I get along with Cage. I get, I mean, I get along with everybody. That was one of the things too is like me and Evan were laughing because like, you know, Evan posted this video. Like, and I, I truly think Evan posted this video because, you know, he wants to draw attention to his website, whether, you know, but regardless, like, Literally, I've, you know, Evan and I have a, a, you know, someone sees a picture of us and all of a sudden, like, all these crazy rumors. Like, I've been in the hobby for 30 years. Like, I literally know everybody in the hobby. So, it's like, I, I'm one one step away from it. So, like, it doesn't mean, like, one person does one thing and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know. It's just silly. I, rumors, like, I'm, I'm an open book. I've always been transparent. It's like, I wish people would, like, ask me a question rather than say, you know, something silly. Now, now wait, what did... Uh, uh, Joe might, what, was just saying that that uh, Cage must have fooled me, know, knowing about when I said I thought he was informed. Okay, but let's let's keep going, having fun with some fellow content creators. I know both these guys hung out several times. Good guys. Okay, Bobby Burrell, and this is what I was talking about earlier. This was in the back of my head when I made the comment before, and I just couldn't place the case. But this is one of them. That he said Bobby Burrell opened a pack of fifty four fifty five tops hockey at the Toronto Expo on video. If you don't know Bobby Burrell, he's hobby hockey historian uh tons of integrity everything there he said two cards came back altered from the grading company enough said when they clearly weren't altered I mean, so. it, it, it happens i mean it happens a lot like when i was when i needed to hit my volume you know i was opening a lot of vending i was opening a lot of like upper deck you know i opened you know eight thousand cases of oh one upper deck golf i opened tens of thousands of boxes of, of kobe bryant stuff. like when and i was opening a lot of vending from the 70s and 80s um I think your your viewers would think this is interesting, just with where card grading prices were going or are at in the early two thousands. Um, what what do you think my grading fee was? Like, what do you think I paid to grade a card? In two thousand and eight, I did a I did a submission to PSA of like a I don't know a couple hundred cards. I think I got eight bucks a card back then in oh okay. eight. Yeah, so I was pay my cheapest rate in in the early two thousands was two dollars and eighty cents a card what yeah yeah so like it op it opened it up to grade a lot of you know a lot of, and i think psa did that because they wanted the cheaper stuff for people to build set registries so like a lot of like they opened that up for probably 15 to 20 people and, and the goal was to just get product out there you know 75 tops and sevens and eights that you know you couldn't grade it eight to ten bucks but you could grade it you know 253 bucks so just get quantity of shit out there um but with that being said opening a lot of vending um, there would be times when you'd literally get a run of a hundred cards in a row that come back trimmed or minimum size. And it's like, no, no, like 
here are the here's the you know the box. So it happens way more than than people think. So Cage says Parkhurst were a trimmer's dream, meaning he does know about hockey. Colin Murray said Gary Moser loves hockey cards, 52 and 53 Parkhurst, especially, you know, 50, 51 Parkhurst come in all, so all different shapes, it seems, you know, all I shouldn't say shapes, different sizes. And, uh, you know, I'm of the understanding that that's just the way they were made. It wasn't consistent. Who cared back then in 1951? You were selling gum. But, you know, maybe that's maybe maybe many of them have been trimmed. I, I just don't know at all. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, different. Well, one of my one of my things I said earlier too is like oversized cards. That was a trimmer's dream. A lot of that stuff has all been used and like you know you can't just go trim a regular Parkhurst because it's going to be undersized. Every grading company's in a well, not every grading company. Most grading companies are going to catch stuff that's undersized. So like that oversized stuff, like it's just you don't see it anymore. Like that's why a lot of these guys that did that, like they're you know they've moved on and they're not doing it. Like so. It's. I, I feel like a lot of people have moved moved to newer cards because, you know, the the print quality on newer stuff is all over the board too with sizing. We talked a bit earlier about you know rubbing out creases or other ways that cards can be you know improved. I had a question that came in. The question reads: Do you believe trimming a card is restoration or alteration? Uh, alter it. It's an alt. It's you're altering the card. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about different things here, but, you know, and you and I in, in speaking the other day, you know, where, where is the line where, like, is it blurry? Is there a line between, you know, when does preservation turn into alteration or is there, is it a distinct line? Is there any gray area or is it really easy to determine? And I, even as I'm asking the question, I think, well, we, we've seen the diversity of thoughts in the chat tonight it's going to be different for a lot of people, but what are your thoughts? Well, the reason we're in this the situation we're in and the reason we have people out there that, you know, I don't think it's a ton of people, but there's people that are like, Hey, I hate this guy or he's a scam like, is because everybody has a different opinion on where that line is. And, you know, your opinion and my opinion are different, but like, I'm not as, you know, far blown, like, you know, Evan's opinion versus some of these new guys I see, they're like, dude, I would love to know how to do it. Like I trim all this new, I see people are like, I would trim all this stuff if I knew how, but then I know people that are like, you know, a card comes out of a pack. I don't want you to breathe on it. And so like, yeah, it, it just brings us back to like, who draws the line, you know, because everybody has a different line that they draw to me. I, like I said, I think a lot of stuff is okay. And I think there's some stuff that's not okay. There's some people that think nothing's okay. There's some people that think everything's okay. It's, it's like you kind of got to figure out where you're at. Evan says, you know, all, you know, all graded cards are trim. Like, I don't know if that's the case, but like, there's definitely trim cards in graded holders. Like that, there's no question. Like yeah. that is, that is, that is, that's the reality. Like you just need to figure out, does it affect you a little bit? Does it affect you a lot? And like every collector needs to make their own decision on, on where they want to be with the information out there. Okay. Couple of, couple comments we're going to get to right here. Uh, Mike Petty first wants to know, do you know Scissor Hands? Who's Scissor Hands? Uh, Moser. I've never met Moser, no. Okay. Like, I, I, the only I've seen that picture of it, like the same picture, yeah. but I've never met I've never met Gary, no. Vintage card so, collector says removing a wax stain equals restoration. I can see that. The card came out of the pack with, with wax on it, so I, I can understand that. 
Um, but I, I, I know people that are like pitchfork on, on that. They like want to just, you know, murder you for removing a wax stain. Like I'm okay with it, but it needs, it needs to be done the right way too, where it's not going to affect the card, you know, a year, like they use some chemical and then a year from now, something happens to the card. Like there's, there's a correct way to do it. And maybe Evan will be kind enough to do, you know, do a, a follow-up video on, on some of the, you know, but you know, I, well, here we have a we have a comment from him right here. He says, "I think the reason it's not so great to me is because of the history of the hobby since PSA came on the scene. If grading companies' largest submitters weren't always trimmers, it'd be different." Now, I mean, that's a that's a pretty serious accusation he's making there. Uh, to what degree do you think he's right? I, I think there's a lot of PSA, a lot of cards and holders that are trimmed. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if we agree on the amount, but like like I said, it's clear that there's altered cards in slabs for sure bobby burrell tries to define what you know alteration versus preservation says he says alteration is when you add or take away from a card add color add paper take away a, a stain maybe take away paper um he says restoration is repairing faults on a card is is his opinion and um well that's that's interesting and I, I respect bobby's opinion always so uh yeah there, there's one opinion from someone who's been doing this thing, uh, you know, for 40 plus years. Uh, professor says the scientific measure could be if you are removing non-covalent bonded stuff that is okay, but covalent bonded stuff may not be okay. You must be a professor using chemistry terms and all that right now. So uh, thank you for that. Okay. Another question that came in was, what percent of trimmed cards do you think are in PSA holders versus SGC? It seems like most of the recent discussion has centered around PSA. Um, PSA has, or SGC has altered cards in their holders. Um, but with that being said, SGC is like extremely knowledgeable. I, I would say the most knowledgeable and stuff even has slipped through them. Like it just, it's just part of the, of the, it, it's going to happen. Like you need to accept that stuff's going to get through. Um, and these are some of the most knowledgeable graders, but I feel very comfortable, you know, buying SGC card, even if I had an SGC. So if I had SGC card and it was, you know, it was trimmed, but it was an SG, I would feel pretty good about owning that card because I would assume like if that thing was good enough to full Scott or, you know, you know, one of the other head graders SGC, then to me, it's like, I'm okay with it. Like that's that. that and that's where, you know, I, there, I, I talked about this recently and there was a short clip of, of, that, I, that was out of me talking about this. And I said, does it even matter? And what I meant by does it even matter is once the card is in the PSA holder, does, does, the, hobby, does the hobby care anymore? Some people do, no doubt yeah. about it. So I'm included in those people that do care. But a lot of people, a lot of the PSA set registry, collectors, competitors, I'll even call them because they're competing together at the top of that ladder. Um, they, they don't, I don't think they care. That's why I made that comment. Does it even matter? And I still wonder once it's in the slab, it's now, it's like an invisibility cloak. It covers, it, it, it covers the disguises, the non, the inauthentic nature of the card or the altered nature of the card because it's in the slab. So I, I think the overwhelming majority is it doesn't matter but they're still going to collect like for me, I, I collect centering. So like we've, I've said this earlier, like if I, if I get a card and it was like literally like early nineties and it was just a total hack job. Yeah. I don't want it. But if it comes in, 
it looks like it's full size. It look it has the right it looks good, has the right cut, and it's centered. I would and like if I bought that card and then later someone came up to me and was like, "Hey, that card's like it wouldn't bother me that like it's in a slab, it's full size. Like I enjoy that card. Um, like, but I don't want one that's like you know a total hack job. But so that that's where I I'm a big eye appeal guy. Like I I will buy I will overpay like crazy for a card that is dead centered and, and looks like it's, you know, maybe closer to the next grade. So, sometimes I've paid double or triple, you know, well, I was, when I was cracking stuff, I would pay whatever when I thought a card could crack and be the next grade because the multiplier was so great. But now I'm more of a collector and like I'm, I'm putting stuff away. Like I would rather pay a 20, 30, 40% premium or, and, and I'm actually getting picky now where I, I won't even buy a card if it's, you know, if it's an eight and it's centered, 70 30 i'll just pass on it yeah well me, so, same here same yeah. here with that uh collectors canada said if a card is trimmed so well it's impossible to tell it's even trimmed nobody knows and again that's kind of my like does it does it even matter if you don't know but i it does matter because the card is is not authentic anymore but it so it matters because it's not authentic well, it, no it's, it's, it's no all it's never gonna know no, it's authentic. It is authentic. It's just it's trimmed. Sorry, I'm yes. I think I think that's a big difference. That because, is a big my my, yeah, my yeah, I yeah. just spoke wrong. Yeah. Definitely agree with, with, with you. And thank you for calling that out because the card is authentic. Yeah. A trimmed authentic card is still an authentic card. It's just now altered. And altered yeah. is is the word I meant to use. Yeah, PSA actually made a mistake and graded it off, you know, a, a reprint. Like they would definitely buy that back, but like there's no, there's no gray area there. Like a reprint is like, that's, that's, you know, not good. That's Mookie Chilson says, Jason, what does ISA consider to be the line when it comes to this discussion? What do your graders learn on this subject? We pretty much grade on the PSA standard. I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of the gr the, gr the vintage that we get, um, we get, we get a lot of mid-grade vintage. Like we, the, the high grade vintage we get is, is usually pretty blatantly trimmed. If it's, you know, we've gotten some decent high grade, um, but the majority of his people testing us out, they don't test us out, uh, you know, as much anymore. It would say it's kind of funny because people will set up invoices, you know, thinking we're this new company, not knowing who like me and like, you know, a couple of the guys that I've trained and my, my main guy has been with me for 15 years and sat next to me. Um, so he kind of laughs at some of this stuff, but you know, you'll get an order in of, um, you know, three cheap original cards and then like a blatantly trimmed, you know, 10,000, you know, high dollar, that would be a big card that as it's being opened, I could walk by and say, Hey, that card's trimmed or that Jordan's fake. And so we don't get tested as much as we did early on. Um, but we, we grade on similar scale PSA. Um, and yeah, if something appears to be trimmed, like we're going to kick it. Okay. Yankees fan says great information tonight, but it is disturbing. Mike Petty says great show tonight. Hey, we started, we, we might start off a little rocky Mike, but uh, glad you stuck it out. Bobby Burrell says removing wax or gum from a card should be okay. The card were produced without those, just a packaging shortcoming. Yeah, I can get my, I think I can get behind that one. Lancer says, good comment. What about all the fake holders that are out there and PSA hasn't addressed it so the community can identify them? Yeah, let's, let's talk about fake slabs for a moment because I think that's certainly a bit of an issue. What do you know about, about the, the proliferation of fake slabs over the last two years? Um, I know a lot. I know there's some stuff I just, I'm not, I can't discuss, but I do know that um, PSA, the, the, you know, they're pretty aggressive at, at going after people at, 
there, there's a there's a main guy, um, and they've pretty aggressively going after him. He has a few guys in the United States um, distributing this stuff. Luckily, they they took one of these guys down about two months ago, um, which is good. But PSA, if you've noticed in the last several years, they've changed their holder, they've changed their label several times to combat this. There's another company um, located somewhere else that is has had some fake holders for several years and has never addressed this. So there's a lot, a lot, lot, lot more fake holders out of that company. Um, so that one I'd be more cautious with. Well, look um, at this. Just Mathis just jumped in. He says fake slabs are way more concerning than trim cards. He goes on to say the main guys in Mexico and unstoppable. Yep, 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 yep. That, yeah, that's that's a, it. By far, by far more of a bigger problem than trim cards. As much as you hate trimming card, it's like the the fake holders is blatantly. You know, there's no like we can all agree that that's a hundred percent. Like, there's no gray area there. Like the fake cards in the not fake cards, fake holders um, putting in fake or real cards, but, you know, very ugly. Um, PSA is doing their best to con combat this, but it's uh, it's an issue. Like, you know, I think now that they're, you know, in my opinion, now that they're a, a private company, they should probably send somebody to Mexico to uh, confront this person. When they were a public company, I, I made this suggestion, and, you know, you couldn't do that as a public company. Um, but now, you know, as a private company, Nat, Maybe someone should send this person to go see, you know, visit. Evan, we, we know we know what city this guy's in. We know where he's at. So we can give you the coordinates. Um, and Let's send first you the, get the sports card radio guys to go down there and confront him. And go, yeah, go murder go murder him. I'd love to see their content after that. That would be well, awesome. So I, 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 do, like, I do mean this, but I hope these guys do not attack them. Like this guy is connected with the cartel. I do not want these guys to start attacking this person. Like... Like they're like they can say you know they can talk to me like I, I have a family and like, I'm not in my 20s I might have kind of, like I could kill us they they're bringing viewers over to me they crack me whatever whatever they like I really hope that these guys don't start talking a lot about this and making videos and getting all arrogant because they're gonna they could push the wrong person the wrong way and just letting this know that this guy is involved involved with the cartel so with that being said you know they're probably gonna be like I don't care and just you know be careful be careful. So how it, it's mind boggling that there are fake slabs out there, you know, whether it's any, you know, a PSA, Beckett, SGC, CSG. I've heard about fake PSA slabs and I think I've heard about fake Beckett slabs, but I don't think I've heard about anything else. Is that where it's most prevalent? And, you, you know, we talk about you, you've mentioned it, Evan Mathis has mentioned it. it seems like you guys are of the same, have the same knowledge about, one somebody who's doing this but like how hard is it to do it how how hard is it to create a fake psa or beckett slab or any slab uh and is this something like like when i said earlier i'm certain i have a trimmed card in one in a trimmed graded card in my collection i have too many slabs not to do you think should i be saying the same thing about i probably have a fake psa or beckett slab in my collection too uh, so two two parts to that. Uh, so what were the what were the companies that you mentioned? Because I'm not I don't want to say the companies. Well, uh, I I mean when I think about I think about I have five grading companies that I consider the four human grading companies: PSA, Beckett, SGC, CSG. I think they're the 
I think they're the the big four. Yep. You know, we got PSA and then the big then the second big three. And then as far as uh, automated grading, you've got tag grading, the company that I'm involved with. Yep. So, you know, that, so, that's those are the companies that I mentioned. So um, I, I, I've, I've not seen any fake SGCs. Um, fake Beckett, yes. Um, I've not seen any CGS or CSG, however you say it, like, you know, whatever. Um, they're too new. I haven't seen any of that. And PSA, you know, it's the question. Your question was, how good can they be? And the answer is like, you know, if, if you're funded by the drug cartel and you have unlimited money, you you can probably do something pretty good. Um, but there's also other idiots that like, you know, it's less now because the holders curl over. But before, you know, you could crack a card out in two seconds and like just glue it back together. And, you know, but it, it's surprising how when you look at PSA slabs, like the majority of PSA slabs now, like are all the newer ones. Somehow the old slabs, like you just go to a show and it's like all new slabs. So those are much harder to crack out and do the whole like pop them open and glue them together. So I don't think you have to worry about if you see that you can generally tell, you know, it's, it's, it's basically one guy that you have to worry about. And, and if you're worried about that in your collection, it's, I don't think you have to be, I, you know, I think, um, we be smart, like, you know, buy stuff through, buy stuff through major auction houses, buy stuff through big dealers that have probably had PSA look at some of this stuff secondary. Don't go on Craigslist and buy a, a 52 Mantle 8 for 100 grand cash because, like, you know, like there's some pretty obvious things that happen that you, you, you look at somebody like, you know, what were you thinking? Like, no, you did not just go buy a Jordan rookie and a 10 for 30,000 cash on Craigslist. So, um, as long as you're careful at where you're buying, I don't think, I think, I think there are plans in place to intercept that. It, it's targeting very new people and people that are, ignoring you know a lot of people like to ignore uh, a great deal when something's too good to be true like they're just so excited you know to uh to get to get a deal that they overlook the fact that it's too good a deal yeah okay well that, that makes sense buyer beware type of thing there uh lancer says it's easier than fixing cards uh gc says jeremy i find it a little disingenuous that two guys associated with working for grading companies are taking shots at psa for slabbing trimmed cards you can call it taking shots or you can call it just speaking facts i've i've been in this hobby for over 40 years even longer than than this guy right here who's uh, done a lot more in the hobby than i have and i have an extensive collection of psa graded cards and beckett graded cards and um i think it would be just i think it would be more disingenuous gc if i ignored the if i ignored this the whole way and if you notice i haven't talked about tag at all until just now and i have ignored the questions where i've been asked to ask jason about ai because tag is ai automated grading and so we haven't even talked about it um i wear the shirt of course i it's it's my brand i love it but uh, I, I don't think i'm but, taking shots I, I, I don't hold on jason i just i just want to finish that um I'm sorry you feel that way, GC, and you're you're entitled to feel the way you feel, but I don't feel that way in my head. I'm being completely authentic in what I'm saying. And let's face it, I'll be honest. You know, if if I I've had I've had my issues with with PSA, I've had my issues with BGS, but I know people at both companies, good people. I think I think the human grading companies do the best they can with their human limitation. Simple as that. And and thankful, we should all be grateful. I, well, maybe not, but I'll say this anyway. We should be grateful to the grading companies for helping elevate the hobby to where it is today. And that is not TAG. That is PSA, SGC, and Beckett 
for the most part. So um, those are, those are my thoughts on that. Go ahead, Jason. I was gonna say I don't I don't think I'm taking a shot at PSA at all. I mean, like 90% of my collection is PSA. I have lots of money in PSA cards. I think I was actually comment comment complimenting them on you know they're very successful at catching a lot of stuff, and stuff is gonna slip through anywhere. Like it just it is what it is. Like I don't I don't think it's like just a massive flood of of ugly cards getting in. I think they're getting you know they get hit with a lot of stuff. They've been hit with a lot of stuff in the years. They've gotten better over the years, which is all you ask. Like, you know, be better than you were in the 90s and be better. And they have gotten way better than they, than they did in the 90s. Like, they were just figuring this thing out in the 90s. So I'm not taking shots at PSA at all. I, I like PSA. You know, I have a ton of PSA. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, I don't think I was taking shots at For PSA. sure. And, and Dan the Cardman says to, I think he's saying, our credit, mine and Jason's, it's not like we haven't disclosed our vested interest. Pretty front and center. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Thank you, Dan. Evan says that it's not disingenuous. Tag and ISA exist because PSA has holes. And listen, I'm not I'm not saying PSA has holes, but but I'm saying that other great like it, it's a free it's a competitive market. You know, when 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 a company like Tag can come along and differentiate itself by taking the human bias out of it, that's just another option for collectors to go what? for to 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 look at. That kind of thing. So it's ahead, a it's a growing market as well. I mean, like it, there's room for more. I mean, we our hobby is you know maybe 10x in the last couple of years. You know, there's and it's hopefully it's gonna 100x in the next. You know, with fanatics bringing in people, but like there's just room for more. Like it doesn't need to be, you know, all or nothing. Like there can be a, a few. You know, I think it would be horrible if it was a monopoly, because then you know. So I think it's good to have a few options. Thank you. Professor says, please talk about tag and the benefit of having a 100 point grading scale. It's actually a 1000 point grading scale. And I think the benefit is you got, you got a more precise grade, you know, and sorry, Jason, but I'll just take a second here and say that the standard grade, the human grading companies grade on a, a, it's like a 19 point scale with the half grades that there's an infinite amount of conditions a card can be in. So even a thousand point grading scale doesn't cover all the conditions. Some might say it's too specific. That's fine. That's a fair position to take, but I love it because I like the precision of the grade personally. And, and I can go on and on about tag, but taggrading.com, everybody check it out. <laughs> you know, no human, no, it's no, it's machine learned grading 10 years in the making. It took 10 years to develop the technology. And uh, Jason, because it's been asked, what you know, and we had the Jason and I had this conversation a few days ago. What do you think about tag grading? And if you don't mind, Jason, I'm just going to kind of get through the the discussion we had. You said, well, the one thing I don't think a computer can do is is identify or or opine on eye appeal. And I explained to Jason how tag actually has a system to handle eye appeal. And I'm not going to get into it all right now. We can do it another time, but. I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's no human bias. There's nobody having a good day or a bad day. And the other thing about tag grading for you, Jason, everybody else is that tag isn't looking to recreate the grading standards, rather apply automation, consistency, transparency, reproducibility to the grading services. Okay. Anything you want to add or subtract or. No, I just, I just want people to know, like I, I'm rooting for tag. Like I'm rooting for, I root for PSA. Like I'm not like, you know, it's, there's a lot of people out here that like, it's just like, they're just negative energy and they want people to like, I don't, I want tag to like, I own a grading company. I want tag to succeed as well. Like there's plenty of opportunity for everybody. So like, I don't want it to think like, 
you know, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see you guys grow and, and do your thing. And like, I, you know, send me a couple of cheap cards. I want to see, I want to see the holders and I've yet to see the holders in person. Um, oh, you'll but, love it. You'll yeah, love it. I'll send you some ISA card. We'll, we'll do a swap. We'll do a swap. The one other thing about tag very quickly is that we don't have a paper label. The label is actually printed right on the inside of the plastic, rendering counterfeiting, I would say, almost, almost completely impossible uh, because, and there's other security features as well, but there's no paper label. So that I think that's a, a big uh, a big benefit of, of what we have going on at, at Tag Grading right now. That's what you know. And I, I didn't I didn't create Tag. I I joined Tag after going to the facility before I had them on my show to vet them for myself and being absolutely blown away that this is exactly what the hobby needs, the disruptor the hobby needs. I'm like, man, if I you know this is amazing, and an opportunity came up, and uh, and here I am. Um, Okay, Triple V says it's always difficult to scale, especially during the pandemic. PSA hired a ton of people, and I'm not sure if they have enough experience or extensive training for things to work effectively. Fair comment, but I will say that in talking to people at grading companies during the pandemic, they said that, you know, we don't just hire someone and throw them out there. I made the comment earlier. Are they training them for eight or 16 hours, or are they training them for months or at least weeks? I don't know. I've heard from the, talking to these people like when Nat Turner was on my show a couple of years ago, I, I believe he said they don't get they don't get on, they don't get on the grading floor by themselves right away. It's intensive training, and 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 they also said that not everybody makes it, so they're not they might hire somebody, but they may not make it through training. So I still buy PSA and Beckett graded slabs, and the you know and the odd other company, I still buy their slabs because I like the, I buy the card if that's where the card is. I want the card. I'm going to buy it. So in any event, sorry, Jason. Your turn to jump in. The only thing I can add is, you know, um, I, I don't know the most recent, but I, I know a few years ago or five or six years ago, talking with some of the higher ups, basically they would say for every for every ten people they brought in to like get through the first like two or three weeks of those ten people, nine of them went away. So like one of that one of those ten people made it to the next. They're definitely not just throwing somebody. You know, you don't just do a four hour test like. Um, but even with that said, like it's it's a really hard thing, you know, like. I, I've been grading for, you know, several hours a day for 25. Like it's like you pick up, like it's, it, it's, a, it's not an easy thing to teach. So, and I've, I've said that it's, it's hard. No doubt. You know, here's another question about just the whole trimming thing, which is, you know, does the hobby even want to know the truth? Like, you know, again, to, to that comment I made before, does it even matter once it's in that slab? Does the hobby care? I've got, like I said, I'm sure I've got trimmed cards in my collection. Do I want to know the truth? I mean, part of me does because I I love my cards. They're my babies. I love my cards. I want to know if they're, you know, it's almost like you bring home the wrong baby from the hospital. So, so, so Jeremy, what? Later, do you want to know that that wasn't your own baby? I, I don't know. Like, do I want to know I have trimmed cards? I probably do. I'd probably like to know. But at the same time, if I know now, I've got a I've got a moral dilemma. What do I do with it and all this? So I, I was just, I would, not know. I was going to ask you. So let's just say we're going through a, your collection, and you have a card that's you know five thousand dollars, and I'm I'm hanging at your house, and you're like, Jason, give me your opinion on this. And I look at it, and I'm like, Jeremy, I'm pretty sure this card's trimmed. And you're like, Well, I don't want this card in my collection anymore. Do I sell? Do I? Do you go on the market and say, or do you just send it to an auction house, or do you go on the market and say, Hey guys? I have this, whatever, 1956 Mickey Mantle card. It's a, it's a seven, but you know what? It's trimmed. 
And like, do you sell it that way? Or do you just, you know, you know, it's in a yeah. seven holder. Like, what do you do? Like, that's, that's an issue. That's a big issue. What do you do? What do you do? Like, if, like if, it's, you know, it's, first it's, of all, I, I could say, well, you know, it's just you, it's your opinion, Jason. I don't need to, I don't need to know. Like, I, I don't need to believe what you say. Uh, PSA slabbed it. Beckett slabbed it. Whoever slabbed it. I'm going to go with them. I think once it's in that holder and the hobby respects the grading companies so much or to the degree that they do that that's where the that's what people are going to rely on. I think I think I I'm not going to say okay this card is graded a PSA 9 but Jason Koontz told me he thinks it's trimmed. Like who's Jason Koontz? Some people might I know you know a lot of people. Uh, I, mean, I, people I, I, I I've consulted for all three grading companies by the way. Just so I mean a lot of people care what my opinion is on, on big stuff. So just say so uh, But I'm talking the the random uh, what I mean yeah. by that Jason is the random guy that I am I'm, I'm exhibiting at a card show for sure like what comes and you know like it, and it, but it I comes mean. it comes back to though the whole original point is like grading is opinion based like you know so whether I tell you it is or it isn't like whether PSA says it is or like you know they may they'll slab stuff that is and, and kick stuff that's not so like we all come back to like grading is one big opinion unless somebody's sitting in the park you know in the 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 room at at PSA where you're submitting like you know trimming cards with that paper cut that they haven't had and and then so like that's the only way they're known if it's like they're out, they're watching the guy on camera. Otherwise, it's an opinion. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, uh, Ricky says, "Relax, Jeremy. It's only cardboard." I couldn't disagree with this more. When I see these, it's only cardboard comments. I mean, yeah, it, it, it these things are made out of cardboard, but it's so much than just being cardboard. This is for me. It's it's a lifestyle. I said, you know, sports cards are a lifestyle for me. It's it's something that I've been into for over forty years. I, I do love my cards. So if you say it's only cardboard, you're probably not a real, you're probably not really in this thing. You, you just, you just don't get it, Ricky. Collector, um, collectors are passionate. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it's nostalgia. It's passion. It's hobby. It's interest. It's history. It's technology. It's so many more things than just cardboard. The, the, it's only cardboard is an easy way to kind of like put a quick comment out there and make yourself look cool or sound cool. But really, it just it, it's a major sign of ignorance and just not being in touch with uh, with with re I, I, reality. I, I have a hard time selling my cardboard when I need real life shit. Like, it, you know, it, right? it's, it's it's a struggle to to pick out what I and, and usually when I sell something, it's only to buy more cardboard, you know. So um, Ricky, you know. Ricky goes on to say someone out there somewhere is starving for a meal. Well, I hope you're volunteering 40 hours a week, Ricky, because you sure are virtuous, my friend. You sure are virtuous. OK. Bobby Burrell says, Jason was right. Training people to grade cards is super difficult as it is training people for wax packs. That is where we need more companies. Professor here says, recent story this week where a senior PSA grader disagreed with the PSA 9 grade and the slab was cracked, but the card was damaged by PSA. Definitely some risk with that for sure. Lancer here uh, says, so you agree that a card shouldn't be called out publicly on social media and hurt them. I mean, how do you do that without, how do you do it with certainty though, Lancer? That's, that's the only thing I would say to that. Any comments there, Jason? It's tough because I've noticed some stuff that like, you know, you see these before and after pictures and like a lot of stuff looks pretty darn clear. But I also know with some of this newer stuff, um, you, you see like it matches up, like they match the serial number. Well, I have news for you. A lot of these companies back in the day backdoored a lot of cards, you know, and, and with a lot of same serial numbers. So like there's been times when I've been offered sets of, you know, this is 15, 20 years ago, but some of those 90s and 2000 sets or people then, or I've been offered, you know, 10 sets 
of a, of a card with the same, you know, you know, 10 number 10s, 10 number 11. Like, so that's definitely out there where there's multiple cards with multiple serial numbers. On top of that, you had when Fleer did their auctions, they were, they sold tens of thousands of uncut sheets with no serial numbers, which now people are serial number, which is fraud, but yeah. they're serial, they're serial number them. Those, some of those got through grading companies. So now there's more duplicate serial numbers of that. So like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like there's, you, you just don't know a hundred percent. I mean, like, so people do call stuff out, like it is what it is, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody truly knows a hundred percent. Ricky says depreciating assets. And I mean, that's just another Ricky's Ricky's yeah. uh, off his game tonight because, because depreci- de- depreciation comes from wear and tear disintegration, you know, erosion. That's where depreciation comes from and other and depletion and other accountant type terms, Ricky, which you definitely haven't taken any accounting courses. Um, the sports cars don't depreciate anymore because we take care of them right out of the pack nowadays. And if we don't, they're slabbed for the most yeah. part or, or kept nicely in binders. So uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if, if you, if you protect yourself well enough, uh, me and my kids and my grandkids aren't going to, maybe we don't know. Cause like looking at Allen and Ginter's, like they still are, they hold up well and that's 140 years ago. So like, I'm not concerned about, you know, if my cards aren't in perfect condition, you know, 200 years from now, I'll be dead. Exactly. Evan Mathis, if you're still there, uh, thanks for joining. You're welcome for the bedtime stories. Uh, Jordan does say, Evan, did you post the video for attention towards your site? If so, genius, regardless of how uh, there's a Please don't cuss on on S on sports cards live. Lancer says social media has become a judge and jury with no experts and has created a huge problem for some honest people. Definitely agree with that. And Dennis so, Zender let, in the let, house. Let, let, let me re- just back, let me just backtrack to that really quick, just because this is such a true comment. Like, and I've been pretty transparent over the years. I've been willing to talk with anybody live or at shows. So, like. If you have a question and I'm answer as many questions as, as people want or feel free to message me questions, but like to just re to just regurgitate what they see on a, an inquirer board is just it's it, it's not it, it's part of the problem, not part of the solution. So um, I've been one of the few people that has been openly, you know, I'll talk about anything. So, yeah, to be judge and jury is is not good. You know, it's not. But free speech. Free, free speech. speech. So free that's free, that's, free, free. So gets, gets you clicks. clicks. That's where we clicks. are. That's where we are. All right. Listen, we're at two. We're almost at two and a half hours, Jason. That goes by really fast. Uh, the chat's been great tonight for the most part. Thanks, everybody, for that. Um, anything else, Jay? Like anything else that you'd like to talk about? Um, I wouldn't mind getting your opinion on fanatics coming into the space and how that's going to change things going forward. If you If you want. Anything else you'd like to say about uh, ISA grading? Anything else that you'd like to to get into here before we wrap this up? Um, I think fanatics could be really huge. I'm hoping they understand. I think they do. Um, I, you know, I, I I don't know if you guys know this, but like you know, I was part of the initial process of that with Zero Cool. Josh and I we kind of started all that. Um, I left. Fanatics, you know, took over with all them, and so I had a a, a big piece in the beginning of of helping that along. Um, I think Fanatics is a massive company. I, I think when we start seeing ads in the Super Bowl, we start seeing ads um, at you know TNT. That you know, it's just gonna it's just gonna bring in a lot more people. So there, there's gonna be negative. There's, there's negative and everything. I think the positive is gonna outweigh the negative with Fanatics. I, I think bringing in more people is is just overall a good thing. 
Um, ISA, yeah, check us out. I at ISA grading. I don't want to compete with tag, but like, you know, give us a try. Um, a lot of experience behind our grading. Um, obviously me or the guys that have been with me are, are pretty experienced. Um, so yeah, I, I want to answer, I don't want to focus on ISA, like, you know, you know, I don't want, cause I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, I know you're with tag and stuff. I would just, if, and I only have about 10 or 15% left of my battery anyways, I would like, if anybody in the chat has any more questions, I would love to answer questions why, you know, I'm here. It's hard to get me. All right. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's give a couple minutes here. Um, get some more questions in if you'd like, while we're waiting for that Northern lights, uh, appreciate, I'm glad you got your tag order back. I hope you love, love your cards in our slabs. If all grading companies measured the specs, wouldn't we be better off? Uh, Jordan Hudson. I appreciate that, Jordan. And no worries, but none. no, I just don't, I, I put it on screen by mistake. I, I, I wish I didn't diamond card collector. Glad to have you here. Eric Stefano. Thank you for being here. Um, guys, any questions for Jason? As he says, you know, he he's, he wants to make himself available, but he's a busy guy. So we have him here right now for a few more minutes. Put any other questions you have in the chat. Jason, while we're waiting for any that might come, any false narratives in the hobby that have made their way through social media in the last, whatever, few years that you know you can put to bed or or just declaim or any, anything like that? Any, any in, you know, you're such a... You're like an industry insider. You know so many people. What yeah. do you know that just isn't true that everyone else is, is takes as truth? I'll be honest. I don't like. I mean, I'm on social media, but like, I don't spend a lot. Like when I when something gets said about me, it's usually from somebody like sending me a clip and like of this and being like, "Hey, what's this?" And and then you know, I, I did want to tell we. Uh, I, so we do have a time. I want to tell one of these stories because it's it's actually interesting talking about how. Um, the, I'm not going to say their name, but the person who threatened to murder me, um, you know, why this was a good thing and why I don't really care that people talk about me other than, um, one of the biggest collections I bought happened, uh, you're supposed to remind me to tell you this story, but one of the biggest collections I bought in 2019 was, uh, a guy who had sold his business. It was, um, you know, some computer, you know, like cybersecurity company. He had a pretty nice collection. And he said his all buying ads to him were the same. Like, you know, he went, he looked and there was 20 people running buying ads and they all looked the same. Like we're paying the most for your cards, blah, blah, blah. So he did some more research because this was a, you know, close to a seven figure collection. And what he told me after we had talked on the phone for an hour was he was looking for somebody who was getting attacked because he knew in his business, he was at the very top and like he got attacked all the time knowing that it was all, a lot of it was BS. So when he saw me getting attacked from, the people who threatened to murder me. Like he looked at that as a positive. Like he, he was like, okay, I'm interested to hear this guy's story. So he asked me all about that. We, we had a great time on the phone, but long story short, like I ended up spending, this guy had a set run of 53 to uh, 69, some stuff in the seventies, all graded like PSA eights or some nines. Like, and this was, you know, almost, this was like an $800,000 deal, which it was great timing to buy that deal right before COVID. But like, that's a deal maybe I wouldn't have got. So like there truly is like no such, no such thing as bad press because if, if those guys hadn't attacked me, maybe this guy wouldn't have reached out to me. And like, I almost feel like I should give, you know, give those guys a little commission for it. But um, you know, like I, I, I made two or $3 million off that deal, which I never would have got if, if like I wasn't out there. So I love the views. I love the clicks and like, you know, every now, you know, it's like, I do get a ton of positivity. Like some, they love your content, love it. And then like, you know, every like 20 comments, I get, you know, scammer or something like, it's just like, okay, like I can't please everybody. I'm human.
But I, I just, when somebody says that, I would like them to follow up with an actual, like, you know, what's your source on that? Because, you know, you don't, you don't become close with everybody in the business for 30 years going around screwing people over. Like, that's just not how you make a name for you. It's just not realistic. Some, so Some people do due diligence. Some people are just lazy and take whatever they hear and, and go with it. It's just, you know, human nature. Uh, we're going to do three more questions. The first one from the professor says, is ISA incorporating AI and how to learn more about if you are? I'm not as big on AI as Tag is. So, um, you know, I, I think AI initially will be good for data um, entry. Like data is, is a cluster. As far as grading, I think it can help with centering. Um, you know, I, I, I would honestly be more curious to learn Tag's process and, and I'm going to research it some more. We don't really have it. That's not, you know, I, I, we want to focus in the, the, the 50 to 250. Like if you have a really high end card, my suggestion is that it should probably go to PSA because that's where you get the value. Like I really want to focus on the niche of niche of the the fifty to two hundred fifty dollar you know area. I don't really think we need AI for that. Like to me, that's easy stuff to grade and just you know quantity get the, get that. So yeah, no, right now we don't have uh, thoughts to put AI in into our product. I'll leave that. I'll leave that up to Tag. Leave it to the people that that actually developed the AI. Okay. I'll leave it. Uh, vintage card collector says, "What is the most valuable vintage card you know or highly suspect is trimmed other?" Than the Wagner PSA eight. Um, I mean, I would just be speculating. I mean, the I mean one of one of the Gretzky's looks. You know, the bottom looks a little funny to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, but it's just like me giving my opinion. That card was graded yeah. a long, a long, long time ago. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could think about you message me, and I would I would try to come up with a better answer, but. You know, it just—it's just my opinion. But I mean, the Gretzky looked a little funky, but that was graded, you know, 25 years ago. And then Jeff S says, "Are both you and Josh Luber out of zero cool? They seem to be drastically behind as we speak since you and/or Josh left." I Josh Luber told me in person he's—he's he's out. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I—I I left um, about five months. So Josh, Josh and I and, and a couple other guys started it. Um, I, I left about five or six months in. And, and the company got restructured. And honestly, the only reason I left is um, just being transparent. The first time in my life, I, I felt like I wasn't my own boss. I was on Zoom, call, Zoom calls all day long. You know, during COVID, I'm watching my kids play in the background. 10% battery left, so we can, we can go until. Um, this is the last question. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you know, I just, I don't do cards for money. I, I, I hate saying that, but, like, I do cards because I love it. I enjoy it. Like, I could be sitting on a beach somewhere. Um, I work my ass off with ISA because I enjoy it and I want to help build something and build a company. So like with, with the whole zero cool thing, I found myself not enjoying cards anymore because I was, I wasn't buying and selling and, and doing all this stuff. I was literally like on zoom calls and like these real meetings that I've never been part of in my life. I, I hated it. And especially where I'm like, normally I can restructure my schedule. If I need to get something done, I can, okay, I'm going to work from midnight to 6am and get that stuff done. And you know, this was like, wake up at nine. And from nine to six, I have like a scheduled out Zoom. So, um, yeah, I just wasn't really happy, you know, and I left a lot of money on the table. And, you know, I know Josh is, yeah, I think Josh has moved along as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no. So we'll see what happens with, see what happens with Zero Cool. Okay. Well, that's it. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, Jason. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. It's been a, a fun discussion. Thanks for taking all the question head on, and uh, yeah, I can't believe I can't believe we went two and a half hours. 
I told you well, it's going to go faster than you well, think. It's going to be fun. Have people accumulate over the next five or six months a group of questions, and I'd love to do a follow-up with you, and we'll, uh, you know, after the national and stuff, and, and do a round two, if you'll have me. Oh, yeah. No, I, you, you know, you're, you're a great guest. You, like, we even got a comment here. Um, where did it go? We had a comment. Oh, right here from Baseball Card Commodion. Good show. Thank you, gents. Regardless of all of our views, similar or indifferent. And I think that's a great comment. I think it says it all. So thank you for that. Uh, Baz and Bobby Burrell says this show is great. Good or bad. A well-informed collector keeps the hobby healthy. Kudos. Very nice. Thank you very much, Bobby. Appreciate that so much. Mookie Chilson says Jeremy firing up the Zamboni. Great conversation. Uh, love it, Mookie. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy also foul five ball says tag takes stereo photo of the card enhances any imperfections. Yes, we do. Okay. Jason, again, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate your, your openness and uh, willingness to come in and, and again, have this uh, nothing's off limits sort of uh, theme to the show tonight. I thought that was great. Peter, Peter collect. Good to see you. Glad I caught this live sports card stallion. Great show. Content was engaging the entire ride. All right. I'm glad you liked that. Thank you so much. All right. That's it, Jason. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we kept people entertained for two and a half hours. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Follow me at, o, at OTS sports. I'm still on Instagram. It's been, has it been going by or no? I I've been, I've been not okay. minding, mining the ticker, but there you go. Uh, Jason go. at OTIA sports. It'll come across the screen. And again, in just a moment, check that out. Please follow him. If you are not yet, you can follow me at J Lee underscore sports cards live. So hit, hit the thumbs up as YouTubers say, subscribe to the channel, notifications, comments, all that stuff. Um, and if, if you, th and if anybody thinks of something later on, please, I'll try to, I get a lot of messages, but I'll try to respond to everybody. So if you have another question, I would be happy to answer. So please feel free to DM me on Instagram. And with that, everybody, thank you for joining and being here. This episode is now over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.